Hey, it is Tuesday night. It's our favorite night of the week. Welcome to the Wise Guys, Dave McCann and Blaine Fowler from our undisclosed location in Provo, Utah. And we're speaking to the free world tonight. We hope you'll join our global live stream. Uh, go to YS. You're already at wise, wiseguys.com, ysguys.com. So click on the chat button, little purple chat button down here, and that will allow you to log in or sign up for a free Twitch account. And then you can ask us questions and stream with us. And we make this uh, group therapy. Right. And it, it's going to be more fun if you guys will participate. Like you, you can just sit and watch it, and you don't have to do anything. But we're only asking you to do a little bit. <laughs> just a tiny bit. Just doesn't a, cost anything. Just a click and a couple of things to fill in. Yeah. And, and you've, got a, you've got a free account. Then you can ask us questions. And let so us know where you're just, watching and just, streaming from. Like Chaplain Brett Peterson already He's been waiting all week and, for this. And saying hello. Hello. And, and so, 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 so be, be like Chaplain Brett. And uh, and and get your account and come in and then uh, you can be more a part of the show. Hey, I don't I don't know we're, Chaplain we're, we're, Brett, but it feels like we'd probably be better people if we were like him. I think so. If your name's Chaplain Brett, yes. And and if you just want to watch, that's fine too. And we yeah. appreciate we appreciate that. Like my mom, just going to watch. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's all right. How was your week? It's, it's it's been good. Crazy busy. I'm supposed to start getting warm been, around here. I've been traveling. Like I'm heading to Miami tomorrow, so what? I'm going to go from hot to really hot. Yeah. So, well, it's, you know, it's good humidity. It's, yeah. it's good for the skin. I'm just going to check things out down there and make sure um, that all the, you know, University of Miami and Florida, all those guys aren't cheating. And, and <laughs> How long are you going to be down there? You gonna, I think you're going to need it's, more time. It's going to take a little longer. I think you're going to need more time. So, this no, is our yeah. third show. Uh, so we're, we're really stepping into our uh, fifth hour of That's the right. Wise Guys. And then... Um, our old shows are up at ysguys.com, and, and we've got our podcast coming and all that stuff. As we, We're really kind of preparing for the Big 12, right? we got 15 months to get our act together, and, and we'll be rolling. Yeah, so I'm just going to notice the first few people on because okay. Stedman's is on. Stedman's, thanks for clicking the button. Enjoy. He probably did. Stedman's, if, if I'm right about him, he probably did it a couple weeks ago. <laughs> so he, he's, he's way ahead of the game. Or it could be she, right? Right. Um, and so so we're glad to have them. And then uh, is it at Mar Cactual? Is that right? Am I saying that right, Dave? Uh, from Bountiful. It sounds yeah, good. Yeah. Sounds good. So, thanks for being with us tonight. And and what what our dream for this this show is uh, as we get going with the years to come is we say hello and the whole world is yeah, is here ready to talk about the game that just happened or the game that's coming up or the coaching situation or why is this happening or what is happening on campus and and then that's the hub of uh, of what we've got going on yeah hey uh and chaplain brett peterson hey today is the he says he got into the the masters of chaplaincy program at byu so um, at 37 years old, he's finally officially a Cougar. Um, so there you go. Masters of Chaplaincy program. Mark Actual. Got you there. And uh, oh, Mark Actual. Thanks for uh, spelling that out phonetically for us. Folks from Idaho chiming yeah, in. Idaho is the potato hub. We know that. That's it what is they the said. potato hub. So, so no, we appreciate you being there. And you know what? We're just we're just figuring this all out. Yeah. You know, we're new to this medium, and we're, we're excited to explore it and to grow it with all of you. And... Uh, uh, well, hopefully the show will just keep getting better and you guys will keep uh, adding more and more to the show. So it's June now and, and really we've got football media days two weeks away. Right. And then the 4th of July is, is you're, next you're month. You're going to be involved in that big way, right? With Stadium of Fire. That's on the 2nd. Are you doing a bunch at media day? 
yeah. again this year. Yeah, well, I'm with yeah. that too. Yeah, I'm, and, do, I'm doing I'm doing a couple of good things too. We're gonna do a couple of shows too. So and then and then we'll be cool because our show will be the day before Media Day. So right. June 22nd is Media Day, and then uh, and then we get into after further review over on BYU TV on July 26. I think that's like six weeks from tonight. And we're kicking it off. Uh, no one knows this yet, but we're telling you uh, that we're kicking off AFR with an hour-long special on uh, Tyler Algiers' run into history. That's right. A game-by-game game through that season last year that left him as the single-season rushing leader. And my favorite defense play. I don't know. I'm torn between my favorite defensive plays of all time because there are two great right. ones that I witnessed personally. One was Tyler running down the Arizona State a defender and knocking yeah. the ball out. I call it a defensive play because sure. when the when the interception happened, when the other team's got the ball, the other team has the ball. Tyler <laughs> gave the defender is the best yeah. running back defender I've ever seen. And then I'm torn between that and Kyle Morrell's leap over the line against Hawaii, yeah, um, to to save the na- the national championship in 1984, where he stopped the quarterback on fourth and one in the goal line with that leap. Those those were good. Those are the two best defensive plays I've ever seen. Period. Yeah. At any level, and they're both BYU. And then somebody went and took that Algier one and put it to uh, uh, Marvel Music and had Thor's Thunderbolt come down, and I just thought it was the coolest thing I've ever seen. So, uh, so that's uh, the Tyler Algier run into history is something you won't want to miss when we roll it out on AFR. And then we can talk about it here on Tuesday night, the 26th, after the show, and, uh, and, and then we'll get an update on Tyler from... NFL camps would start about that time, and and then we're into uh, into the countdown to the countdown to kickoff. Yep, we'll start previewing teams for you and talking about uh, matchups and all that kind of stuff as we count down into football season. But we'll keep covering all the sports. Yeah, so, uh, as we lead into the fall. So tonight, what we have we have a quarterback quiz uh, we're going to do in just a little bit. But we want you to interact with us. It's it's your quiz. Uh, and Blaine's I'll be the I'll be the moderator of the quiz and so we'll be quizzing Blaine and you we're gonna gonna get their answers first for how that's gonna go yeah and it it, it should be kind of fun uh and it's not what you think uh it's not like Jim McMahon isn't the answer to every question and I know for you you had to you had to rethink that well how am I going to answer this and it it can't be Jim McMahon every time because we we well I wrote the quiz and it's going to be different if anybody wonders what he's talking about Dave and I've talked a lot and, and in my opinion, Jim McMahon's the greatest college quarterback ever to play. Um, and you know, and Steve is the greatest court NFL quarterback to ever come out, out of BYU. Steve just kept progressing from the time he he graduated from BYU and went on. Um, you know, Ty Detmer won the Heisman Trophy. But but Jim McMahon, who broke 70-some NCAA records his junior year, and, and I watched all over the film of that year as we played the next year, and Jim was a senior and I was a freshman, played with Jim. On the field as a college quarterback, there's never been anyone better. Yeah, and he was a great pro player with the Bears as well. But we're, if we're just limited to college, I think he's the greatest college quarterback in history. Um, and so, if we're going to do a quiz, then we have to we have to work yeah, around. So, that. so every single question, I would just go, "Well, Jim McMahon, of course. Well, Jim yeah. McMahon, and, and um, you can't, and so, it's not wrong. So, so Dave made it a multiple choice, and and Jim McMahon's not in every multiple choice, so he just mixes it up. So if you have to go, whoa. On that particular thing, would I take Ty Detmer or would I take Steve Young in that situation? Or would I? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So he's, Dave's constructed this in a way that he's going to force us to make some decisions that aren't easy. It looks like Mulatino is with us from New York. Yeah. Welcome. Nice to have another fellow New Yorker here on the show. Go New York. And uh, you guys have questions for us, men or women? You guys, I'll just say guys, that means everybody. uh, Just chime in for us. And so what we've done 
is uh, we've kind of put a list together of all the things that have gone on since our last show as far as uh, on campus. And you think, hey, we're in June. There's nothing going on. There's a lot going on. And uh, and that's what we want to hit and get you up to date. Part of what we'll do on this show is get you up to date on what's going on in Cougarland. Uh, BYU Sports Nation is a great place for that on BYU TV. But on Tuesday night when we're with us, it's a great place to interact. And you can ask us questions and go, hey, I don't really like that or that that sounds good to me um and so our, our thing is let's interact together and and that'll set us apart from just about every show that's uh that's going on that's right yeah that's right that's how we're gonna so. do it so the big thing since we were last together was the big 12 spring mm-hmm. business meetings that's what they called them uh, the football meetings are coming up in the middle of july but this was the spring business meetings but it was pretty significant yeah it's it's this is when um for the first time, BYU sits down yeah. as a member of the Big 12, and they talk about uh, television plans and finances and all of those things. So, And certainly they had some conversations about finances before they signed the contracts to go in the league. But now all the curtains are drawn back, and as a full member of the Big 12, um, you know they get to sit at the table and, and talk about where the direction that the league is going and how the finances are going to work and how this is going to work and that's going to work. So a big, big time. Uh, for BYU, and and one of the things that that, that came out of that meeting was um, the school payouts for the ten members of the Big Twelve this past year. Yeah, they reported that. How about forty two point six million per school? Seems pretty good compared to what BYU has, which maybe is what twelve from ESPN. That's an estimate. I, I think when you when you take everything that BYU puts together to monetize their program. You know, it, it might be around that. And and then think about what they used to get in the Mountain West and the WAC before that. You know, we're talking one to two million dollar shares back in the olden days. Um, so and that's not going to do anything but go up because Bob um, Bob Bowlesby talked about uh, the, you know, that league distribution. It could jump another 50 million in total uh, before the current TV deal expires in 2425. So um, there's a lot of dollars out there. That's game changing money. Uh, for these for these new four schools, Cincinnati, Central Florida, BYU, and Houston that are joining, that's a huge step up. And when you have resources, um, you can up, upgrade facilities. You can you just do so much more when you have those financial resources um, to recruit better, to bring better athletes in, to hire better coaches, to retain better coaches, um, and to step forward. So yeah, that to me that was a really interesting thing coming out of there. Is that that's more than I thought. I thought it was in the mid thirties. Uh, and it comes out that no, this last year's distribution forty two point six million. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's that's uh, that's a game changer, like you said. I thought it was interesting, and I wrote an article in the Deseret News about it. That uh, BYU seat at the table was a long time coming. When when we I remember last week, we were talking about some of the great plays mm-hmm. uh, over the course of Independence, and even before with with BYU's relationship with ESPN, starting with the Pitt game in '84. But everything that 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 Lavelle started to do in 1972, right through everybody, uh, was to get BYU BYU in the room. Remember, he even went uh, and and testified before the Senate Judiciary Committee. I think it was that the that the Bowl Alliance wasn't fair to the schools that weren't in the party that weren't 
in this country club type thing. And, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the Bull Alliance changed their name to the BCS and opened the door for a team to qualify so that they could avoid government, uh, kind of what the NCAA is doing now with NIL, so they can avoid antitrust stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, yeah, we'll make it available for everybody. And, uh, and then Lavelle made it available, and that's how Utah got to play Pitt in the Fiesta Bowl. It's because what Lavelle got done back before Congress, but all of that was just to get BYU in the room. And now President Worthen this past week uh, walks into the room, goes over to the table, and he has a seat and he sits down. I mean, how significant is that? It, it's like, you have you seen Hamilton yet? No. Oh, man, you got to see Hamilton. I, I need to get out more. By the way, we're going to start doing a segment at some point on this where we just do Broadway musicals. But yeah. It's going to be a great there, show. There's a song um, that, that that's in Hamilton. I want to be in the room where it happens, um, where uh, you know they're talking about... If you're in, in the inside where all the deals are being made, that's where you want to be, and it must be nice to be in that in the room where it happens. Um, and BYU hasn't been in the room where it happens, and now now they are. Think about what they did with the Coastal Carolina game on three days' notice. The reason they did that was to get in the room, right? They felt we just need one more game. We're undefeated. We're ranked number eight, I think it was. Uh, but we're going to get left out of the New Year's Six. We can just see the writing on the wall. Mm-hmm. So they go risk it all and play a game across the country on three days' notice and and fall one yard short, and that that kept them out. But they had to do that to get into the room, and they, now those days, they those shenanigans get, are over. If they don't do that, if they don't roll the dice and gamble, they're not getting in. No. The politics were going to keep them out. There was no question. And, and interestingly, in that game – Matchups are big in college football, and they knew that it was a big, big stretch because Coastal Carolina ran an offense, still runs an offense that's different than anything anybody plays against. It's kind of like when when Air Force used to be in BYU's league. It's like, man, it's just special preparation. But at least you played them every year, yeah. So you played the option sometimes, but it's it's so different. What Coastal Carolina does offensively is so unique and different than anybody does. You need a whole week to prepare. And for BYU to, on three days notice, go, we've, we've got to do this. We've got to gamble. We just have to hope we have better athletes than they do. And to come up one yard short, when you really look back at the, at the film and you take a critical look at it, you go, yeah, that was a really big task. That was a great football team they played that runs such a unique system that there's no way you can get kids prepared in that period of time to go play. And they played on the road in a hostile environment. And... When you go back and look at the film, what you see is you don't see guys getting pushed around. You see guys in the wrong spots a bunch. Yeah. Uh, because to learn assignments for that very special offense in three days, almost impossible. It was tough. And even then, uh, they averaged 37 points, and BYU holds them to a season low at home of 22, and they got a chance to win the game. Uh, as hard as it was to get off the field, they managed the game. Defense held them to way under their average, and BYU falls a yard short. But they don't have to do that anymore. To, hey, notice us, whatever, you're in the Big 12. You come marching through. They go, you you took third place? You're going to the Alamo Bowl. Next. And then and and, and I think that's such a such a game changer. And and one thing we heard a little bit from Bob Bowlesby was about BYU TV's relationship with the Big 12 moving forward. And and Blaine's gonna read a quote from from Bowlesby, but but this was kind of our first uh, idea of uh, how life is going to be different. And it will be different a little bit, maybe not as much as people think, or there's the chance that it can be significantly different. That's still gotta be worked out. But Bowlesby said this that I thought was interesting. Yeah, he said, uh, relative to BYU TV, 
BYU will have the same obligations to put content on Big 12 now that all the other members do, which I think is 50 events a year or something like that. And then, of course, that's where a lot of our men's and women's basketball are, a few of the football games, so they'll fully participate in our package. And so basically what he's saying is, um, yeah, they have to... They can't opt out of having things as part of the Big 12 package with our television partners, right. so they'll fulfill that. But he's not ruling out that once they fulfill that, things that fall outside of that, yeah, that's that's open game, and that's kind of the, you know, that's good news. That's kind of how it's been. Yeah, I it's mean, not the, that different. The WCC had commitments with ESPN and CBS Sports Network. Now. The Big 12 has a streaming network that they want to feed and with ESPN3 that we've worked with a lot uh, with BYU TV. Um, Big 12 Now, I think it's called. And, and I think they may just take our stuff and put it on there. And the question is, can we also have it on BYU TV at the same time or does it have to run afterwards or whatever? But access to everything is going to continue, which is, which is huge. But they're also paying a fortune. And so they kind of get to set the rules. Yeah, and, and, you know, it's interesting. The WCC, when they came into that agreement for all of the sports other than, than football, oh, and and a couple of others, men's, men's volleyball. Yeah. But for the most part, for all other sports, um, the relationship between the WCC and BYU TV blossomed. Um, and, hey, the last several years, you and I have called, uh, along, along with our colleagues over at BYU TV, uh, the women's WCC tournament all the way through the semifinals mm-hmm. and the men's through the quarterfinals where ESPN just takes our feed and just runs with it. Where all the other television partners just take our feed and run with it. And it airs on BYU at the same time. And so, um, you know, it, it may take some time for the big 12 to have that kind of trust. Yeah. But, but I'm telling you, and you have to, we have both worked on a national level. I mean, I've done work out of NBC's national sport, NBC sports studio in Connecticut and out of Rockefeller center and and we've done network stuff our whole lives and the product that BYU puts together and the facilities they have are every bit what what anyone has and so uh, the product's certainly capable of uh, enhancing what the Big 12 wants to do and I think before it's all said and done you're going to see us with the ability to do a lot of the things we do. I think we, so. BYU TV's in the homes of just about all the Big 12 markets for free on their cable systems and uh, and so the, I think the Big 12 will utilize that along with their other things. And you get BYU and oh by the way we've got a, a pretty much non-for-profit network outlet that's already in the homes of all your members yeah. uh anybody be a fool to go you know what i think we're gonna we don't need that i think we're gonna go over here yeah it's, it's just, like no no we'll use all of it i think and i think and i think they will um it's it's interesting to some of the questions coming around this whole big 12 thing you know people are asking us and, and i'm interested to hear your opinion when will byu win its first big 12 championship that's that that comes from uh from our good chaplain friend um yeah, who knows? In what sport? Because yeah. there's some sports that compete right now. Like right now. Like women's soccer, they go in a Big 12 championship next year. Volleyball. Yeah. Um, and and women's softball's got slighted this year, but they're a very capable yeah. program that could go out. Now, if you're talking about football or basketball. Which is what I think everyone's talking that's, about. That's, you know, so when you say when they win their first, they hey, they could win the Big 12 track championship right now. <laughs> and they might right. this week. Right. Now, baseball's, a, like, we, we keep talking about how good the basketball is in that league, best league in the country, not even questionable, right? Um, and you, you can make a case that it's the second or third best football conference in a year in year. Last year, I would say they're the second best behind the SEC. Um, 
They're the best baseball conference in America. Yeah. Oklahoma's playing Texas in the championship right now in college baseball. And course, softball. Those, yeah. And all that stuff. So, but if you're talking about football and basketball, and then, and then there's a follow-up uh, because uh, um, Mully, what'd you say that was? Mully? It looks like Mullatino, but Okay, Mullatino. Um, well, they, they said, will, they, will it be... Uh, before 11 seasons like it took Utah. Um, <laughs> Who knows? Who cares? The, the thing is, the option is there now. And, and BYU's never had the option. Here, here, here's what I think about football. BYU's going to be more competitive earlier be, because Utah had to jump right from the Mountain West yeah. Conference to the Pac-12. They didn't have, at that point, the facilities or the depth of players, that kind of stuff, um, to compete. And it took them... They had to morph into what they were, and now they competed at the highest level there, right? Yeah. But, yeah, but, I think but you're BYU, right. But BYU, think about it. BYU last year in the Pac-12 dominated the Pac-12, and they played some of the good teams in the Pac-12. It's different for BYU. This These these years of independence, um, especially the last four or five years, have allowed BYU to build depth and talent at a higher level, get a big-time national exposure, where they could stand toe-to-toe. They played seven P5 schools last year. And, and, and won double-digit games again. And so BYU's in a much better position to compete. Where would they have been last year? Well, we know they didn't beat Baylor, but Baylor won the conference. Yeah. Um, and Oklahoma probably would have been a stretch. Anybody, does anybody else in that league scare you that you go, hey, there's no way BYU? No. 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 Like they, they could stand toe to toe with Oklahoma State last year. And, they, any, and, any and Baylor is here on September 10th. I'm curious to see. The difference between this meeting and last year in Waco. Well, they basically Baylor loses their whole back seven, um, so they got. And look, that's a good thing. Yeah, and on defense, I'm talking about on the offensive line. They lose three of those phenomenal offensive linemen. You know, they lose their their feature running back. They, you know, the quarterback BOU played against is transferred to South Florida, so we'll see yeah. him. So that's a very different Baylor team. But Baylor beat up everybody in their league last year. Won won the won the Big Twelve. So obviously, last year BYU would not have won the championship. No. They, Baylor was better. They played the champion. Yeah, right? but I think they would have finished in the top three or four. Um, so there's, I don't think it's going to take eleven years to be competitive because BYU is better prepared. I think they're competitive day one. Now ba- basketball, that's that's going to take a little that's while. That's a tough. Call. That's going to take. That's going to take a Colin Chandler back yeah. from his mission and a bunch of his friends coming I, over. I, Dallin Hall got back from his mission since we were last on the air with you and. And now he's back you to just don't, uh, you to don't, workouts. You don't need the talent of of Hall and Toulson and Chan- you need those guys not only to be back but to have played a year or two, yeah. and and then you're competitive. So it may and take you a, need a bench. It may may take a little longer in basketball, and that is the elite basketball conference in America. So there's some scheduling news we're going to talk about here in a little bit, and we're going to get to the Shaley question that came in. Shaley Gonzalez, we'll dive into that in just a couple of seconds. BYU had four four star football recruits in over the weekend. And um, it is interesting how uh, the NIL thing comes up. And, mm-hmm. and whether kids are in the portal or coming in from high school, everyone wants to know what's in it for me. And uh, everyone handles a little bit differently. BYU answers that question differently from some of the other places. And here, here's what's crazy about NIL. And, and, my, and my question for everybody on with us tonight is, What's your thought on the NIL? Is it going to change college football and basketball for the better, or is it going to ruin it? And, and I, I'm worried about the latter a little bit, at least in the short term, unless we can put some more guidelines around it. Because, man, you just hear stories coming from around the country. It's kind of a free-for-all out there. And, and it's not even – it's governed by state 
governments and local governments what universities can do. So in some states, they can actively broker deals. In other states, they can't. And I think there's just so few guidelines around it on, on, a, on an NCAA level that people are going to push the envelope. And you said to me earlier today, you're just like, hey, the teams that were already doing this illegally are really good at it already. Yeah, they already know. Now they got the, the green light. It's like um, uh, everyone wants some candy, and so they just opened the store. And they said... Play nice and share. A lot of people don't share. It's a free-for-all to get as much candy as you can. And there's no adult in the room going, I think you've had enough taffy. And so it's uh, until that happens, it's a free-for-all and everyone's going to be on a sugar bus. Uh, and, and as you mentioned, BYU had four four-star recruits on campus at the same time. That's never happened before in football. And and I think they got a great shot at all four of these guys. Wait a second, what? I think they got a shot I at think all they all four guys. I think they've got a shot. If they, get three, if they get three of the four, it's huge, yeah. right? But the fact that they had them all four on campus. But if you're a four-star recruit, and I had a really interesting conversation with a family member of a big-time four-star yeah. recruit, and the conversation was around NIL and how it's so different depending on where you go. Um, you know, you go to a Stanford or BYU, and they don't really talk about it that much. They, they tell academics and team chemistry. Because you're not supposed to. Right. It's not right? supposed to be in and, the pitch. But, but, but they go to other places where this conversation starts. Well, if you, if you come here, guys like you getting $500,000 deals or million-dollar deals, NIL deals, and, hey, this guy has this and this guy has that. And they're not supposed to do that. And, and, and you know that, that guys at Clemson and Georgia were hearing um, through media outlets that, that guys that are coming out of high school have seven-figure deals before they even take a snap in college football. And and BYU just can't approach it that way because they're not going to win a bidding war against Georgia or Clemson or Notre Dame or something like that. And I'm no, not sure and they don't want to get in that. No, and they don't want to get in that. And so Kalani has, has basically had to take a stand where he says, listen, if a player comes on uh, campus and that's what they start with, so if that's their number one thing out of the bag where, hey, before we even go and talk to me about the NIL deal, Kalani almost has to assume that that's not the right fit for BYU because – even if they did get him and they got a good NIL deal that they brokered on their own, yeah. they're, they're just that much away from somebody offering them a better NIL deal and being gone in the transfer portal, right? So that's not who you want. You want people that come to BYU because they value the culture. They value the winning tradition. They value the ability now to compete in the Big 12 and get to the next level and all of that. And, hey, don't. I don't want people to misconstrue what we're saying. There's NIL deals at BYU. Yeah, there, guys, there are guys who are doing really well. Yeah, they have some guys doing really well. Yeah. But BYU cannot lead with that. It just doesn't fit. And and they're not going to make hollow promises, and they're not going to broker deals. And and they're not going to get everybody. They're not going to get because a lot of kids want that, and right. their parents want that. Right. It's like, hey, we, we come from a rough neighborhood, and uh, that's going to change the second my son or daughter signs with you. Right. And, um, you know, now they have that right. But, but BYU I think, still. I think there's enough good kids. Yeah. I mean, when I say good kids, good athletes, top tier players in both football and basketball, um, that as this NIL thing develops for BYU and they'll do it the right way and they'll do it well within the guidelines that are set. And when new guidelines come out, they're not going to have to pull back because they're going to operate. They, they can get enough really good players to compete at a very, very high level on a national level in the Big 12 without saying, 
hey, by the way, if you come here, we got a million dollar deal for you, uh, great quarterback. So if you were a betting man, uh, and you're not, but if you were a betting man on these four, I, I bet you stuff. Yeah, well, yeah, that's like a hot dog at the golf course. But um, these four four star recruits. Yeah, you think that BYU I, has I, I a, a what a shot at all four? I think they have a shot to at all sweep four. Sweep the group. So what's, what's I think they have a 50-50 at all four. I think I think fifty fifty all four and then higher for say three or four. Yeah, then I think a little higher. Then it creeps up to yeah. maybe sixty to get three of the four. And I, I think two of the four is higher than seventy five percent. But you're kind of thinking they get all four. That's what I'm hearing. I, I like the fact that BYU had a chance to set first impressions before they went in other places. Yeah. Set expectations. Yeah. Because I feel like you get kids on campus and they get around the other players, and the other players are very involved. You know, they interact with them, and they can see and feel the culture. And players like to play where they feel like they're they belong and they're like they're part of it and they can fit in. So I I really like their chances on these four. Quarterback quiz is coming up, so click on the purple chat button here in the lower right of the box there, and a little pop-up will pop up, and you can uh, sign up to Twitch for free, and that'll allow you to chime in because we want we want some of your answers on our quiz, which is in just a bit. Let's talk about another big story on campus. Uh, Shaylee Gonzalez, she is the Jimmer Fredette of women's basketball, just to put that in some perspective, mm-hmm. and she's officially in the NCAA transfer portal. There was a coaching change. Amber Whiting is the new head coach. Jerem Jordan over at BYU TV reported that Shaylee's mom was a candidate for that job, didn't get it. Um, read into that what you will. Um, Lee Kamard was on the old staff. He's the associate head coach. That happened since the last time we were on the air. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that enough to bring her back? He said today on BYU TV's Sports Nation that uh, she's not completely gone. What does that mean? It, he basically, I'm going to rephrase, it ain't over till it's over. <laughs> <laughs> who said that? I don't know who actually said that. Probably Yogi, Yogi Bear. Yeah, if not, he took credit for it. It ain't over till it's over. <laughs> and so, so. Lee was basically saying, hey, we're still having conversations. You get in the transfer portal, you don't have to transfer. No. And so Lee being on that staff, I think, is important to Shaylee. Because a lot um, of us, let's be honest, a lot of us thought Lee was going to get the head job, and he went for it. Yeah. And he even said today in that interview, which you can see in its entirety over at BYUtv.org, that uh, he was going to hire Amber Whiting if he didn't get the if he got the head he job, the he's going to hire her as an assistant, and she's has hired him as her associate head coach. Yeah, and then then remember that today there was also announced that Morgan Bailey is going to come on as a, a assistant coach, yeah. which I think is another great addition. That's for those going. Is she related to Thurl? That's the first thing anybody. Is she yes. related to Thurl Bailey? It's, yes. it's his niece. Um, but Morgan was the, the star on that Sweet 16 uh, team that Jetty uh, had that, that made that march in the NCAA tournament. WCC Player of the Year, 17.5 points a game. And she got a nice little resume since she left in 15. Um, she's been at uh, Snow in southern Utah. Spent the last couple of years over at UVU on Dan's staff over there, where they've had a really nice run of success the last couple of years. So she brings a good, uh, some good experience of developing players. She's going to be really relatable um, to, to these these young players. Um, she's going to have credibility because of her, her, her playing yeah. days. You think about it. On the staff, Amber Whiting has two former big-time players from BYU with good coaching experience. And maybe that combination of Morgan and, and, and Lee can have some further discussions with Shaley 
and and keep and keep her at BYU. They need her. They need her back. She's two time player of the year in the WCC. She's number ten already in scoring, and she has two more years of eligibility. She got fifteen hundred and fifty five points. She's on track to pass Tina Gunn as the all time scoring leader, men or women at BYU. But what she is, and, and the reason I say she's the Jimmer for dead of on the women's side is she is showtime. She's excitement. She's the best player on the court and teams have to put two on her. It changes the way teams defend BYU. They've got to get her back. Yeah, and, and, and if they don't, I mean, they'll, they'll close ranks. They have talent, but they, they don't have anybody quite like her. Yeah. Where with the ball in her hands, she's, she can just create, and she makes everybody else on the floor better. So we'll we'll see if she she things calm down and and they can get her back in the fold. I, and and I, Whiting's I, daughter is committed to Oregon uh, and committed before she right. became head coach. And and so we haven't heard that if she's going to come over or any of that stuff. That's where we like. But, that's where we like people changing their minds, right? <laughs> that's right. We want, we want Shaylee to change her mind and come back. A few minds need to be changed, yeah. and, and maybe she comes in and 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 maybe she's as good as advertised. But um, so that's floating out there too, and we haven't heard, but. Uh, the news of the day today, as you mentioned, was uh, um, Bailey as the head coach, as the assistant coach, and then Kamard this week as the associate head coach joining uh, Amber Whiting's staff, and they're they're in practice you know, you know and off and running. Needs? You know what Shaylee needs? Big time NIL deal. <laughs> <laughs> I think she might think have she one. Has one already. She's connected on social media so, as much as any big, in college basketball. Basketball between college basketball between NIL and transfer portal it's it's brutal like i i don't know how these coaches keep their sanity i, I was actually talking to alex jensen the other day um who's who's the jazz assistant coach It'll be interesting right. to see what happens with alex i know he's yeah. a candidate for that that head job with the jazz but we were talking about college basketball and the transfer portal and nil and all this and he just shook his head uh, and, and said and college basketball is rough yeah you know and, and the nice part about being a, a coach in professional basketball is just coach, right? The head coaches are involved in the personnel decisions, but if you're an assistant coach, you coach. You don't have to go out and recruit. You don't have to worry that somebody's going to offer your person more money because they can't. There's rules about the draft and and salary caps, and there's rules around free agency and all that. It's crazy to think that professional basketball and football are much more regulated than college football and basketball now with NIL and with this transfer portal. Isn't that crazy? Think about the two uh, great basketball movies. You got Hoosiers with Gene Hackman uh, and how he coached the boys, and they were high school kids, and he he was the sergeant of arms. Mm -hmm. And then you got Nick Nolte over there. Uh, I think it was Nick Nolte and Blue Chips. Right. I think it was him. I might be wrong there. But, but was it Nick Nolte and Blue Chips? It might not have been. Okay, I'm looking Let's it up. Let's Google that. I'm but Blue it. Chips is uh, a, a, a coach had to go buy guys. Right. And they had to give tractors and this and that. They had friends of the program taking care of all that. And those are the two uh, you got. You got it. It wasn't Nolte. He was fantastic in that movie. Uh, but you got two types of basketball. The old school, which is how Gene Hackman and those guys did Hoosiers in high school. And the world of college basketball now, which is, okay, uh, there's a power forward and uh, it's, or a center. And Shaquille O'Neal played the center in that. Yeah, that's, I was just looking at <laughs> the battle. Okay. Is, so, what can we get to get Shaq here? Do you here? guys remember Blue Chips? It was good. Yeah, it was, it was very but, interesting but I, ahead I'm of its time. Now, so Nick Nolte, Sha Shaquille O'Neal. 
Penny Hardaway. Penny Hardaway, was, yeah. was in that. Mary Mary McDonald. How about Ed O'Neill was in that? Yeah. He was the reporter that kind of busted it open. That, right? uh, but that's the world we're in. We're actually in blue chips. We're, we're away from Hoosiers, Bobby, and we're in Bobby blue Knight chips. Bobby Knight made an appearance. Rick Fox made an appearance. I think Tark popped in there. Louis Gossett Jr. <laughs> yeah. There, no, a lot, a lot of people. Yeah, there might be a little language in that movie, but yep. uh, it's uh, it'll come yep. on TV every so often. When it's on TV and it's cleaned up a little bit, watch it. It's fascinating. And that's where we are in college sports. We're in blue chips. Ex- except for it's legal. Yeah. Except were, for it's they were, legal. They were fracturing every rule in the book when, and blue chips. Now it's like, no, hey, let's have a guy go to the highest bidder. I'm, I'm telling you, I would, it'd be so, I think basketball's worse than football right now. It, it doesn't feel to me like football, although BYU's well, had two transfers that have come in. We, yeah. You can have that one-time transfer without penalty. The Nakua's. Um, yeah, they've had the Nakua's come in. that had an immediate impact last year. And then and now guess what? You've got, you've got Kingsley who just who just came in. Chris Brooks. And Brooks that just came in. Yeah. So transfers are, are having an impact in football. But with you can't build a football team around a couple of transfers. You, you have to be. A couple of transfers aren't going to make the difference between you being a not good team and a top 10 team they, they may get you from a top 10 team to a top eight team but but it takes so many guys in such a team sport in basketball you got two superstars and three guys that can figure it out you you can compete on a national level you, you know you don't you, you don't have to have five superstars on the floor to be a top 20 team in basketball i think what's going to settle it all down is if the ncaa gets rid of the um one-time transfer rule where everyone has to sit out a year if they're going to transfer, I think that'll get more kids to go. You know what? I'm just going to stay here. I don't want to. I don't want to go and sit a year because really, what they want is they want to go, they want to get paid, and they want to get to the NBA. And every kid seems like they they all know they're going to the NBA, even though about this many actually right. get in there. Right. But I I just think the the fact that the rule states you can show up and play and not sit out is what's triggered the free for all. Yeah. It, well, there's a couple of changes in the last couple of years that you can now play four games and still redshirt. Yeah, for football. Right. So in football, you go and you play. You play in four games, um, and then you decide, hey, I'm, you know, I'm not being used the way I want to use. You just played four games. That year doesn't even count. Yeah. So you sit out the rest of the year. That doesn't even affect you. And then you transfer without penalty, and you show up the next year, and you're a freshman at the school you just showed up at. Yeah, you're playing forever. I know you're playing forever. And, it, you know, and it, it, it works. We're, everybody benefits from it, but everyone also pays a price for it. Yeah, and, and it's it's hard because on the player's side of things, I'm not I'm not necessarily 100% opposed to the one-time transfer rule because coaches will leave. Coaches will get a program in trouble. How many times have we seen this, Dave, where a coach gets a team under NCAA investigation and goes, well, I'm out then, and they leave – and they leave these kids at the school. Yeah. The coach can leave, get a brand new contract, and just start coaching overnight. somebody else the next can year. Leave overnight. And the kids are all stuck there. Yeah. And sometimes the NCAA has made exceptions when it's been you know egregious. But um, so part of me says if the coaches can just leave and go whenever they want, then maybe we we have to let the players. I, it's it's just so hard to have the fine balance there. And I'm not opposed to NIL. Um, because I feel like uh, I feel like these kids have been playing, and they represent those schools, and they're superstars. Think about Jimmer Fredette. BYU made some serious money over the years. Pre NIL for right? Jimmer, and shouldn't those kids have a chance to participate in that and get some of it? I I think they should be able to make money on their name, image, and likeness. But there's got to be some guidance around it, or it just 
becomes an unbelievably unlevel playing field, yeah. in my opinion. Painted Cougar, we're going to get to the new soccer schedule that just came out this last week. Hang with us for a moment. You know, the elephant in the room of, of women's basketball uh, is Jeff Judkins, and no one's talking about it, and we're going to talk about it for a moment here. Uh, Juddy um, retired. Uh, put out a statement, part of a BYU statement, uh, the day after the team banquet. And we haven't heard or seen Juddy since. Nothing on the new coach, nothing on Lee Kamard, nothing on anything, which is so unlike a coach who retires amidst all this glory. Uh, there should have been a parade for him at BYU. And there hasn't been, which makes me wonder if he really wanted to retire or if he wanted to stay on and um head into the big 12 you know the school just said you know what we're gonna we're gonna make a change i don't know but it seems like that's the case because juddy uh has done more interviews on byu tv and with us than any other human being on the planet nothing don't you find that odd so my my question is we know him well enough do you we need to go take him to lunch and see if he'll come on with get us. Get on the show. And, yeah. and he doesn't have to come on and vent. He can just come on and talk no, about just, all things basketball. But I get the... It's just strange. I, I think it's very unusual yeah. and very strange. I like your word strange. That we haven't heard one word from him or about him since the accolades the day he retired. Yeah. Um, you're just pointing to... And, he, and, um, and he's won more than any human being on campus. Um and, uh, and yes. you know, and, and, Mike, and Mike Littlewood stepped down in the middle of the season. I, I mean, I'd love to at some point get Mike on the show here and have. But at Mike, least he even did an interview. Yeah, he did Mike an interview with us. You got a chance to talk to him. And but but I, but I I would love to get Mike to come on here yeah. and reminisce a little bit. And say talk hey, about, you know, and get and, and talk to him a little bit. But I, absolutely, we need to go see if Juddy, you know, and the biggest stars uh, in BYU sports are coming to this show. And so, uh, we're, as we get closer we're, to the game, we're just getting it going. But as we start counting down, they'll all be here. So, um, Molitino asks, "Who's winning the cage fight, you or me?" A Blainus. Yeah, I can take a I can take a smack to the nose. I think we proved that. Yeah, I, I did, it didn't knock me down. So. Blainus win the cage fight. I have no problem uh, waving the white flag on that one. Uh, so. As to who broadcasts the cage so, fight, so the uh, and one of our followers said they missed the interview that that. Mike Littlewood did, and what did he say? I mean, can oh, you recap I, that in a nutshell? You, you actually go to DeseretNews.com and, and read I did an interview with him about uh, Trent Pratt and uh, his preparation. Uh, this was after Littlewood resigned, um, and Pratt has been the interim coach. We don't know what baseball is going to do. They haven't announced a, a head coach yet. And so you can read a little bit on that. It's, it's not about why he left, um, so you won't find that there. Nobody really knows why he left except for personal reasons, and, and we've left it at that. Um, and and, and I, do, I do think that if, if, uh, um, if, if Pratt's going to have a chance to be the guy moving forward, it's going to – Part of it's going to be because he had a chance to coach him down the stretch. Yeah. And so who knows if that was the, what the timing was about. Um, and uh, and perhaps, you know, Mike knowing, hey, I'm going to be out. I And I'm just, I'm speculating here, but if I'm going to do it, I might as well do it now. That'll give Trent a chance to, to coach this team down the stretch. This is a good team. They're going to do good things down the stretch. And that'll put him in a position to maybe get this job. Because I know Mike would advocate for him. Yeah, absolutely. He thinks he's a great coach. So we'll keep you posted yeah. on that. You yeah, got to we'll, figure we'll, they're going to we'll do dig something. We'll see if that. we can find something. But um, Juddy's been silent since April 14th. April 14th, and we're here in 
on June 7th. I'm telling you, Molitino's saying that you would go Jeff Van Gundy on me and bite my ankles. (laughs) Well, if that that was... uh, (laughs) Remember, Van Gundy had to do that to survive. Sometimes you have to do things to survive that you're not proud of. Yes. And I think that would be it. I just pictured that in my mind. (laughs) Men's basketball, they extend the series with San Diego State. It'll be BYU at San Diego State on November 11th of this season. And then San Diego State will come to Provo in 2023 the big 12 debut but this is non-conference and uh, we're friends with the aztec coaches and have been since steve fisher uh that is a great rivalry that should be played every year and it looks like that's what they're trying to do yeah and that and that rivalry um it was a really healthy rivalry too uh, were were the fans it wasn't It was a fun rivalry. It didn't seem like a hateful rivalry to me. Not among the coaches. No, no, that's what I'm saying. The players got after each other. The show down there likes to do their thing. And and the rock up here uh, does theirs at a whole new level. It's all good fun. But but during that time, I think Steve Fisher and Dave Rose had tremendous respect for one another. And and there were so many good games and so many big names that came through those two programs and, and those big showdowns. And those were the two teams right at the top of the Mountain West Conference for a long, long time, right? And yeah. and then it, the pinnacle of that was the Kawhi Leonard and Jimmer Fredette years when when else did the Mountain West have two teams ranked in the top five playing each other in league play? And uh, and they just elevated the whole league around them. And then, and of course, Brian Dutcher, Dutch, who uh, who was the coach in waiting when, when Coach Fisher finally retired, um, he, you know, he just carried that tradition on and have had a good relationship with them. And they're good. They're always they're good. Always good. So win or lose, that's a good game for either team's resume. And so I love the fact that they that they keep this thing going. I feel like it's a thing they should do every year. We called the ball game uh, back in November when they're right. at the Marriott Center. And uh, it was a great buzz to the place. Yeah. And a, a talented squad. Uh, men's Hoops also, Utah announced that they will play at BYU on December 17th. I kind of think that might be a BYU TV game. Yeah. September I, yeah. or December 17th. That's that's the timing that we get stuff. So yeah, you know, that would be that sweet. One. That'd be fun. And got, of course, got... Chris Burgess is up on the U right. bench this year. Yep. It was interesting. I, it was fun to hear Chris come out this last week with a lot more around his decision-making process because people were like, what's going on with BYU? Why would Chris Burgess just go to Utah? I thought he was friends with Mark Pope. And, you know, and Chris burned no bridges at BYU. Um, but you got to remember, Chris really has no ties to BYU when he came here other than he coached with Mark at UVU yeah. and, and, followed, and followed Mark Pope here. All Chris's ties are to the U. He played there. His ex-teammates are still very supportive of the program. Um, his daughter plays there, plays yeah. volleyball there. His his wife went to school there. He's first class all the yeah, way. And so he's and it was an opportunity to make more money, like a quite a significant raise. And I, you know, BYU eventually, as they get into the Big Twelve, is going to be able to compete with that salary. But it was a big raise. It was going home. Um, and Craig Smith's yeah. a great great guy to work for. <laughs> and we love we love Craig. We think he's a phenomenal coach. I'm actually a little bit nervous now though. They're going to get good. No, because they're going to get really good because Craig's a great coach. They're going to get good, but BYU is still uh, they're still uh, ahead of them, and they have been for some time. Uh, and we'll see uh, which direction that uh, that the Cougars go in the Big Twelve and right. and all that stuff with P five recruiting. And, 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 and in basketball, you know, in football, we talk about oh, if they're going to play a nine game schedule, then you only have three non conference games. You play one quality team, one FCS team, and then a then a, another P five that's a 
um, that's a winnable game. Like, you really have to schedule to be able to get bowl eligible, and you got to be really careful those three games. But in college basketball, you play so many more games in the non-conference schedule that you, you could keep the traditions with San Diego State and Utah going. You absolutely could do that. And Utah Because State, you got the Big 12 will strengthen you. In the West Coast, it's different. You've got to play monsters as, as much as you can because you know the league's not going to be there unless you beat Gonzaga once or twice. The league's not going to be there to push you up with your RPI. So you got to go chase it in the regular season like last last year. Right. You can play Oregon in Portland and and you play San Diego State and you play Creighton and and all these teams you play because you know that Pepperdine, LMU and Santa Clara even if they beat you, they're not going to help your RPI. Yeah, well, if you you can go on the road and win in the WCC at, at the bottom of the conference and drop big time yeah. in RPI. Um, now, the one advantage you have being WCC is BYU on most years plays Gonzaga three times. Yeah. So that helps. Two, two to three times. So you're playing. And they're going to be number one you're all year the this year. Number one team or the number two team um, in the nation every year for the last couple of years. So that's a big boost. Yeah. But but the rest of rest of the league, and last year was a, a good year for the league, right? But, but still, the bottom of the league is so far down there that it hurts. The Big 12, I mean, we, we look at BYU and WCC and say, 20 wins isn't enough to get them in the NCAA tournament. They can't, they've got to be 24, 25, 26 wins. They had to have, and we've fun. seen that this year. 20, 20, 18 wins in the Big 12, you're in. Yeah. And so, and, it's, and it's, you get a decent seed. Yeah. So it's a whole, it's a whole <laughs> different, it's a whole different story. Now, can they compete and get 18 wins in the Big 12? We're going to see. Um, but I like the fact that. You can keep, and maybe it's not every year, but you can keep San Diego State's tradition alive. You can keep Utah State alive. That's a great rivalry game. Utah alive. You can keep Utah yeah. alive. You, you can keep those things alive in basketball. We we know that you can't you can't do it in football. And you can They're play. Not there. They just can't play Utah every year, and Utah can't play BYU every year, and 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 neither of those two schools can t- play Utah State every year. But in basketball, you could. Yeah, and I hope they play Gonzaga every year. That play Gonzaga fun. if they don't want to come to Provo, play them in Salt Lake and play them in Vegas and, and BYU and Vegas or BYU can play them in Portland if they don't want to go to sure. Spokane. Um, but that's a, that's a natural that should continue and and St. Mary's too. You know, I play both of them. They they you already have a relationship with them and they'll help your RPI. Whereas some of these games. Some of these games. Well, so we're reading the streams as they come in. We encourage you to to get an account on Twitch. They're free. Uh, just click the purple button here at the bottom of the screen, and and that'll take you to how you can sign up. And, and some, and, some, and then and, chime and, and in. Medward's sending us like emojis. I don't even know what those are. Um, <laughs> I don't then, either. And then somebody said, "Oh, the pit, go Lobo." <laughs> so, <laughs> and tell us where you're. Yeah. Hey, I've done, where I've you're watching? Broadcast a bunch of games from the pit. One of my favorite places to. I was calling a game there one time, and. Uh, BYU broke the backboard uh, in the early in the game. Yes, and uh, they didn't have the backup backboard at the pit. It was across campus. So uh, Tom Kirkland and I—I I don't know where you were that night. Tom Kirkland up. and I uh, had to stall for an hour before because the KSL guys it was, it was back when the games were on KSL. They'd all gone home. The news crew was out. We'll see you at ten o'clock. So we had to fill for an hour. But uh, I also remember from the pit that uh, that I had a white shirt and a tie on, and I kept getting hit by French fries 
that were dipped in ketchup. Fans up above would take a fry, dip it in ketchup, and toss it down <laughs> and pelt us through the game. Oh. And it's like, you know what? I love you guys. And I thought at least they went to the effort of dipping their fries in ketchup as opposed to just throwing fries. Anyone can throw fries. Yeah. That's, but to dip it. It's much you know, more creative and much more punitive you know, when it hits you. Just think, they were grown adults behind us doing it. I go, ah, I nailed him. I dipped it in ketchup and I threw it at another human being and I hit his white shirt. Which Those was, BYU guys. Which was harder. I want to know this and you can be truthful. Was it harder when you and I had the gigantic thunder and windstorm before the Texas game and we had to kill almost two hours of pregame. Yes. You it, and me, it, or was it harder for you and Tom to kill? How it long? was harder for me and Tom because Tom wasn't prepared for anything. And I had all this <laughs> stuff. But you and I, they brought us Jimmer. We had Kevin Eubank. We, we had one guest after another. And we were set up in the booth eating ice cream uh, as, as Nixon and the guys down there were blown off the set. So I would take that over, uh, over someone just sitting there Chuck and French fries dipped in ketchup <laughs> at my back. We, we had more stuff to go to when we when we delayed. So uh, one, one uh, Payne Cougar asked, "What are the chances to get men's soccer as an NCAA sport now in in the Big 12? I think slim to none. I, th- I, I don't think you've got. What are you going to drop? Yeah. What are you going to drop? And, and see, and, and that's more about um, um, keeping the balance between men's and women's sports. Yeah. Um, and so you'd have, you'd have and, to and that's add, government legislation, right? And so you'd have to add an uh, equal number of, of uh, women's scholarships in sports. It'd be great lacrosse. I mean, BYU's yeah. got a great lacrosse group going. That yeah, and it, you know maybe add women's lacrosse on an NCAA level, or, or are they already an NCAA? I don't think or so. Is that club? I think it's club. So clubs lacrosse, clubs yeah, men's a, soccer. A couple of girls uh, um, in my ward that are on that lacrosse team at BYU, and they yeah. played in the. I think it's club club rugby. Nationals. Rugby's club. Yeah, Morgan Haas and uh, Hunter Hoff. So we'll have to see about that. that but I don't Morgan will come lift weights with me at, at Vasa to train. It's just spot for you, but not you. You wouldn't. No, you won't. No. So. Uh, BYU football, this kind of slid under the radar for a little bit, especially for folks out of state. Uh, The Southern Utah game, which was going to be November 18th of next year, which is typically our BYU TV game, you know, where we get the big one in uh, November, like we have Utah Tech this year. We usually get Idaho State. Right. Well, we were locked in on Southern Utah, but now that game has been moved to September 9th of 2023. So the Big 12 season starts with an open date on September 2nd, then Southern Utah in Provo on the 9th, at Arkansas the 16th, and then the Big 12 the rest of the way. September 2nd is still open. Who are they going to get? And we're talking about 2023. Yeah. They need a home opener. Or you know, and, and, no, no, no. They need a home team. They're going to need to play two home games, then go on to the road to Arkansas. Yeah. So who are they going to get? What do you think? Southern Utah is already an FCS opponent. And then they got Arkansas on the road. That's a tough one. I and, say, and we're on the clock. We're on the clock. Yeah, I, I say they end up. Do they go get a mid-level Power Five team, or do they go get? Um, do they go get somebody like from the Mountain West Conference or from like a UNLV? Yeah, I think UNLV there. might be open on that date. Yeah, that, you could play down in Allegiant. Yeah, if, that, if you could, but that's but that's the type of. Yeah, and they, I think they're going to play somebody at home. Do you think they're going to play somebody? At they home? should. So I think they'll bring somebody in and give them a nice payday. But I, but I think they'll go to their old friends in the Mountain West. And somebody's got to have an open date. Yeah, and find somebody they can come play them on the, on the second for the open. That's getting tricky though because a lot of teams are locked in 
on how they're going to start the 23 football season. That's close. So Southern Utah's moved up, and that's allowed for the Big 12 to have complete freedom with dealing with BYU, except for conference weekends. I think they're going to honor Friday night, or BYU will have a bye, because BYU's not going to play football uh, head-to-head against general conferences. And and why would the Big 12 make them? And You know, I wouldn't mind BYU having a a bye that weekend if they if they had if that was the solution yeah i mean preferably you'd like to have a buy at the middle in the middle of october not that first weekend in october you'd like to if you could do a perfect schedule you'd have a buy after week five or after week six and then get ready for for the home stretch um you know in these in the last couple of years let's go if we go back to this last five years they've had too many you know straight Seven, eight, nine games right out of the shoot yeah. to start the season, and you get beat up without recovery time. Like this year, yeah. right? And then when the bye comes eight or nine games in, it's too late. You needed it before Everyone's that. dead. You need it before It's like, that. come on. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll keep you posted on how they're going to do that. That'll be that'll be interesting. Uh, and uh, I, I, I like, hope they I have like a bye this. week before they host Texas. That's what I'd like. I like this UNLV idea. Let's... Let's bring you an LB back. So we see if we can we can get that done. Yeah, and and I don't know that you. They go might out. not be too excited. If you're going about. into that league for your first year, I don't I don't think you go schedule like a San Diego State or somebody like that that's you know perennially in the top twenty um, coming out of the Mountain West or someplace like that that could that could come in and give you some troubles. And that date's open because Tennessee paid two million bucks to right, get out of it. Right. I mean, the other option is you go to a P, another P5 conference and play an interconference game, but play against a team that's mid-level to lower level in that conference. Yeah. So you could do that as well. All right, our quarterback quiz is coming up here in just a couple of minutes. Thanks for hanging on. But it's going to be kind of cool. We're waiting for as many as we can to get uh, on our global live stream. Again, and tell us where you're streaming from uh, as we dot the globe, and we'll continue to do so. You know, eventually this is going to be the biggest show in the history of BYU sports I hope so. and fans. That's the idea, right? That's the connection. And um, it might, maybe it'll be uh, next month. Maybe it'll be next year. Maybe it'll be in two years. But it's going to happen. And we're all going to be here together. And that's, that's cool. NCAA track and field championships, they start tomorrow in Eugene, Oregon. The BYU men and women have 21 qualifiers in 12 different events. Men start tomorrow. Women start on Thursday. Now, the 12 entries for the men, that's tied for second most in the country. They got a shot at a top five finish. I would say number one, but Texas is, has qualified their whole yeah, no, te- student body. And Texas that makes has it. 33? 33. Yeah, Texas has 33. So, And that's the most in the country. And the women have nine yeah, that's, qualifiers. That's so ridiculous. We, almost, we just have to call it like redonkulous. That's how <laughs> bad that is. But, um, hey, 12 entries absolutely gives them a chance to have a have a top five finish. And that's not think about BYU track and field and and then let's let's take it to the fall and talk about cross country. BYU's an elite elite program in yeah. track and field and in cross country. So when we say hey they have 12 entries and that gives them a chance to finish in the top 5, that's not a surprise. That's where that program is. That's not something out of out of the ordinary for them to compete. And the women with nine qualifiers, seven most nationally, they they could have another top 10 finish. Maybe maybe move up a couple and and, and, and finish in the, in the top five or six. That's that's not crazy either. That's, no. that's where they are. They, they can compete with anyone in the country in track and field. So Combined BYU is tied for the eighth most qualifiers in the country behind Ohio State by one. Ohio State qualified one more student athlete, and then Texas 
has 33. And when we said 33 for Texas, that's across men and women. Men and women. But still, come on. So, hey, <laughs> the Cougars are going there with uh, an eye on the prize, and we wish them the best, and we'll have a full recap uh, next week. Women's soccer made a little noise. Uh, the national runners-up last year, yeah. best ever, and now they've come back with a, a schedule that's going to be it's going to be fun to watch them, follow them on the road, and then you get to watch some big matches at home. And they're going to start August 13th, which feels like around the corner, like yeah, it like really it's does. right there. It really and they're going to be at North Carolina, a perennial power in soccer to start the season. How cool is that, that they're going to go on the road and play North Carolina? And I think we should take this show on the road to North Carolina. <laughs> in August? But, but, well, it might be at 2,000 degrees I know. It's, it's humidity. About, it's about the humidity. But you know what? I don't care how humid it is. If we get a chance to play Pinehurst, oh, yeah. and you're just as addicted to golf as I am. Guys, he is addicted to golf. I don't know. I'm not very good. I played oh, today, though. I had some good shots. He today. is addicted to golf. And when, when Dave lived in Vegas, <laughs> he, like, was it Billy Walters that you knew? Yeah, that's before he went to prison. So before Billy Walters went to prison. By the way, Billy Walters was always nice to me. And so, I didn't really know what he did. Just because he was nice to you doesn't mean he wasn't. I don't know what he and Phil Mickelson had going on, but I know he was really nice but, to me. So Billy Walters owned Walters Golf, which owned like a bunch of the best courses in Vegas yeah. and a bunch of courses. I think they owned them in Phoenix as well. This is Dave's buddy. And I was. Let's, say, let's use buddy loosely. Okay, because he's, he's in prison. <laughs> um, this, this is back. Like I was covering Vegas for my work. And I would see Dave down there. He'd all the come time. down. We'd and get Dave, together. And Dave and I were we were doing UNLV's package yeah. back in those days, doing football and basketball for UNLV, traveling with him on the road to Hawaii. Yeah, that was awesome. That was and, good. And we did a bunch of BYU stuff together. So, and we've been good friends for thirty plus years, um, covering college sports. Well, I'd go down and I would say, I wish we could play this course. And you go, Oh, I know Billy Walters. I could get us out at Bally High, or I could. Oh, do you want to go play Dragon Ridge? You want to play Bears Best? Like the DI was yeah, cool. Desert Inn was a good one. And we both had friends there, but. Um, Dave was the best golf hookup in America and never played. Yeah, I didn't have time. Wasn't very good. I'm still not very good, but now I'm playing. But uh, but we had a lot of dinners. Yeah, we, <laughs> we, we had a lot. Of we and now we play dinner. golf together over at Riverside. One, one time you hooked up, you hooked up uh, Robbie Bosco and I at, at Bally High at that yeah. course. And... It wasn't getting that much play. The, the course no, was in the best condition. It cost ever so seen. much. It was like three hundred and seventy-five bucks Ridiculous. to play, but not with you. It didn't cost that much because no. you were Billy Walters. But we wife. went to Morton Steakhouse for dinner that night. Yeah, and I do remember that. Well, Robbie laid on the first tee, and he says, "I've never seen a tee more beautiful than this. <laughs> it's flawless." He goes, "It's got Mandalay goes, behind I you." I don't even yeah, know why. Bay. I don't even know why we're staying at the Mandalay Bay Hotel because this tee box is nicer than my bed, <laughs> and and. But you got us out there, and it certainly didn't cost us three seventy five. I think no. we had to pay cart fees, which was like yeah. fifty bucks. It, yeah, for that much. If, and, if it was, we would call Dave. Do you want to go play golf? No, nah, I was working so, like so, nine but, jobs. But occasionally you would hook us up, and then you would go out and you would hit that giant slice. I still have that. But but we would meet for dinner after you guys were done playing. Yeah. So we we still got. To and play. now Dave plays well. Now he's a good player. Like, he took the game up. A couple of shots. He took it serious. Now he's a good player, and now he is just as addictive. <laughs> probably more addicted than I am. We played last week together. It was fun. That was great. Uh, home opener, August 29th for soccer against Colorado at Southfield. That's a good matchup. Yeah. Uh, Utah is going to come to Southfield on September 17th. Then Santa Clara, which is the other big dog in the WCC, they're in Provo on October 29th, just before Halloween. It's a great soccer schedule. If, if you haven't been, um, 
to a game at Southfield, a soccer game at Southfield, it's it's a phenomenal environment. Women's soccer at BYU is big time, and the environment is as big time as it gets in the country. And and that you know Santa Clara is a big rival in league um, to play Colorado, a pack uh, you know Pac-12 team against Utah um, at Southfield. Those are three big games before they get into the conference season at yeah. Southfield. If you want to have a great time, you just take your family out to Southfield, and it is a it's an amazing environment. Florida State beat them by one. Then they beat them by one. Yeah, like on penalty kicks, right? Yeah, it was it, it was, was a it shootout. Was, it, was, it was a shootout at the end. It was a shootout. Jen Rockwood, uh, she is uh, she's not slowing down at all. Getting ready for another season at BYU soccer. Volleyball also came out with their schedule. We talk about the soccer team getting the national runner-up. Volleyball just goes to the Sweet 16. They've been there nine times. That's what they do. Heather Olmstead's got a great schedule, and they start up August 26th with the BYU Invitational. So they're going to play Ryder at 2 Eastern and then Duke at 7 Eastern. Those will be BYU TV games, Mm -hmm. but I don't ever remember Duke coming in here to do anything. And so Duke's coming, and then Pitt. Remember, Pitt was the only team to beat them in the regular season last year. Pitt comes to Provo. Yeah, it's... it's, And again, men's and women's volleyball. Like, we, we... we talk about football and basketball a lot, but there's some phenomenal. It's so entertaining to go to a game in the Smithfield House, men's or women's yeah. volleyball, um, and it's 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 a big time game. You're going to be amazed if you go to a women's volleyball game and how fast the game is, and how loud the Smithfield House can get when it's packed for for a match. And they they create a great atmosphere in there. BYU's promotions and all the folks that put those together with all the music and the and the fun and it's. It's quite an event. It's a, it's a great thing to take your family to. I'm just looking at September 3rd when Pitt is here, and that's quite a day for us. We've got countdown to kick off, and then BYU is at South Florida. That's at 4 Eastern, 2 Mountain Time, and then the postgame show, and then that night, uh, BYU Pitt mm-hmm. in volleyball. Pitt was number three all season last year, um, and BYU is in the top ten. That'll be a showdown. Uh, that'll be a great sports day to kick off fall, really, on Saturday, September 3rd. Yeah, that's a great day. Hey, when fall sports come, like summer, we're just killing time till we get to this. I know. And I know you... We're making bricks without do straw. You, do you, that's what we're doing. Do you love Major League Baseball or do you just love the Cubs? Just the Cubs. Okay, good. And you know what? They're not very good and it drives me nuts, but they're showing some signs of life. By the way, Dave used to have good hookups. I think you still have good hookups at the Cubs, right? So yeah. if you guys need tickets, you probably can't <laughs> don't call me. Do not. Call, I will give you Blaine's cell phone, and you guys can work it out. No, all I know is one time I was going to Chicago, <laughs> and I wanted to go to Wrigley, and I called Dave, and next thing you know, I'm sitting like three rows behind the third base dugout, just taking it all in at Wrigley Field. And uh, as uh, as James Earl Jones would say, the 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 memories of when I was a kid and loving baseball were so thick I had to brush them away from my face. Oh yeah, it's so cool there. I've had all my kids there. down there on the field running around and taking pictures. Cool. Yeah, Dave, Dave's a man with many. Hook-ups. It uh, it's fun right. to to be there. It's fun to be there. We we were there with the kids one time and we're playing the Pirates and one of the Pirates saw my daughter Lauren who's yay big and. She decked out in cub gear from head to toe comes over and gives her a ball and and one of the one of the uh pirate fans who did not get a ball shouted to the player that's a cubs fan and the player looked at him and said it's a cute cubs fan and he gave her the <laughs> lauren awesome. comes over with a souvenir baseball of which i have no idea where it is at this point but at the time it was 
It was cool. We, we just kind of make our – hey, and I'm not going to dog Major League Baseball. It's awesome when you're at a game in the ballpark. Yeah, it's, but on it's, TV, it's, it's hard. Just, it's hard to watch. There's so many Calling games. a baseball game is hard. It is so long. And you, and you do a bunch There's of There's not a lot of stuff going on in between. My, my hookups in, in professional baseball, I had a good buddy that was the voice of the Red Sox, and he left that job. He's now the voice of the Dodgers, Tim Neverett. And, right. Uh, so my hookups are with the Dodgers. If you guys need Dodgers, you know – you, do, you can you get not, to me through Dave. Do, you do not <laughs> do not offer that. We, we'll offer prizes and merchandise, right, Jack? Eventually, we'll have merchandise, but we're not yeah. we're not hooking you up with baseball tickets yeah. uh, or any of that stuff. Um, I, my family, you know, I love my family. I got a huge family, and big games come around. They're like, hey, like 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 I own a section of seats. You know, it's like. I just try to, sometimes I just like, uh, you know, hey, we're on TV. <laughs> we're doing the game. Sit in the house. Watch it on a big screen. and But it's fun. It's 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 fun to I, get I'm wondering, like, I don't, I don't see my guy Corey Yoshimura and Yoshimura. What's and, going on over there? Well, you know well, what? Why is, why is, Matsuyama got booted out of the last week's tournament. So you, th- you think Corey's really busy trying to might, manage all that? I don't that? know. He, I think he had a, a club that so he one, was one, to, one, one of our boys that, that is, is the... Um, um, works with the Asian PGA, lives over in Tokyo, and he's been on the show with us. And I don't see I don't see Corey's name coming up here, so I'm feeling really bad that he's not with us today. He might be listening, but he just might not be able to chat. Yeah, in. he might not be able to chat in. All right, but so I know he did click on that button. You told him to click. Oh on yeah, because he was with he us, did, and he did sign up. So he's he I know he'll us. be with us. And if he's not, you know what he will do though? He will go to ysguys.com. And he will when we watch do, the show. He'll watch the show. Can watch it tomorrow which, morning which you, if you miss it. You guys it. can do if uh, you know, or if somebody says, "Oh, I missed it," you can tell them. Well, you can go watch it. Just go to the show and click on it. You can watch it. Painted right. Cougar is saying, uh, "Let's get a lot of BYU fans out to Rio Tinto Stadium this month to support Ashley Hatch when USA has a friendly with Colombia." Why do they call them friendlies? I don't understand that. It's like. You know, it's, it's not a cage match. It's not a death match. But it's like, hey, we're going to get together and we're going to have a friendly. Um, it's like playing wiffle ball in the backyard with our our nephews. We don't call that a friendly. It's never friendly. We call, we call that a, a game. Competition. It's a competition. So anyway. But, but if it's not, it's not, it it's, means, oh, so there we go. I was just going to say, it means exhibition. And Painted Cougar goes, it's the British term for exhibition, a friendly. There you go. So, All right. Chaplain Peterson wants to know if we have our podcast up yet. Do we have our podcast up yet? No, not yet. Not yet. We're working on it. They're working on it. On it. You we're, can watch all hey, our shows. We're a work in progress. Yeah. But by the time we kick this thing off for football season, we're gonna we're gonna be a fully functioning multi platform, and and you're all gonna be part of it. Okay, here we go with our quarterback quiz. It's now uh, nine ten Eastern time. We had to wait for uh, for to get past nine o'clock on the East Coast. So kids can be in bed. So kids can be in bed. <laughs> It's going to be bad. People get home uh, with all the traffic and and this and that. Here's the wise guys quarterback quiz. This is how it's going to go. So I'm going to ask a question and give you options. And um, and then you chime in with your answers with the live stream. And this is also a chance to click the purple button, sign up on Twitch so you can interact with us. Uh, and then you can just do it for free like all the time. Uh, and then we'll have your answers and we'll also have blaine's answer blaine will be the final answer and then we'll we'll chime in about it and i'll have some stats to support some of the stuff people so, are excited about the court you know what they're asking they like we keep talking to jack who's jack that they want to know who jack is. jack hadley's like the president of our whole operation is that right we'll call you the president we can't see 
Jack, they can't see you. How they can't see. We see need to get a camera. Our staff is we over there. Jack and Jackson and DJ. They run yeah, it. They've got this mood music. DJ's playing that. Hey, DJ, we got you, a quiz you, coming up. Can you give us some the, quiz music? If you guys love the music, um, Dave and I are in charge of that. If you hate it, it's DJ. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, we'll give you DJ's cell number without any hesitation. Yeah. Hey, let me. Hey, DJ's number is. <laughs> if you don't like the music, text DJ. <laughs> All right. Okay. You ready? Uh, up for the quiz? Yeah. You ready to start the quiz? Yeah. I'm okay. ready. So here's the quarterback quiz. Uh, and we hope you enjoy it. We got a few questions. And, and you guys are going to answer first, then I'm going to weigh in. Yeah. And if you're just watching uh, the live stream and, and not chiming in, uh, no pressure or anything. We'll, we'll just pause for a little bit. And, and by the way, do that. Chap- Chaplain Brett says you should have a live audience. And I just. Well, we do. We got DJ, <laughs> Jack, and Jackson. I, I would have to say, though, when we mentioned this a couple weeks ago, I don't know if we mentioned it last week. We've got this concept, and you guys have to give us a thumbs up or not if you think it's a good concept. Um, we're we're gonna do some some watch parties where we we get a big screen. We we'll just put it right here and say BYU is gonna play Utah State right next week, and so and they don't play the same day as BYU this week. We might get together for a Friday night and we'll do a watch party and everybody watch the game together and we'll just talk about the game and we'll, we'll chime back and forth and and we might get some recliners in here and and have. Oh, yeah, yeah. we got and a, calendar. a calendar for some of those on, on ysguys.com. So ysguys.com. Uh, when we're going to do these watch parties and we'll have some snacks and stuff and we'll have some recliners in here and you guys just come right in here and watch the game with us. Or you can, we're going to eventually yeah, do that. Yeah, I know. We're going to do it. We're going to do that. So we're, we're, we're uh, we'll have some kind of a contest to, to come in and watch the game. This whole us. thing is to get together, whether uh, streamed or what, to get together and celebrate. BYU Sports, uh, and of course we're doing the global live stream because if you're in France, you can't get over here for that. Right. Um, and so uh, this thing's going to get huge. Uh, some of my friends uh, were saying, who are also your friends, were saying, uh, "Hey, this this thing's going to be really big," and yep. and I think it is. So. Well, and, there, and people are asking about chat polls. We're going to have those eventually, right? Right, right, Jackson, Jack. So we'll, we'll we'll get those. So now you're just going to have to type your. Yeah. We're eventually going to have catering too for the two hosts. Yes, right. Yes. Well, we're okay. So, yeah, as you can see, there's a lot coming here on this show. <laughs> it's not Vegas. We're never. We're not going to be Vegas. But question number one in the quarterback quiz. Okay. It is third down and seven. And by the way, I haven't looked at these questions. Dave wouldn't let me look at them. No, again. no. It's third down and seven, and you have called. You're the offensive coordinator. Oh, this is easy. You called a quarterback draw. Third and seven, you called a quarterback draw. Who do you want? Here are your options. Steve Young, Taysom Hill, Jaron Hall, or Riley Nelson. It's third down and seven, and you've got a quarterback draw. Who do you want? Steve Young, wow, it's just so funny. Taysom got, Hill, Jaron Hall, or Riley we Nelson. We have three answers. Boom, boom, boom. Young, Taysom, Hill. <laughs> like, like. Hey, I mean, Young, Steve Young. Who else? Yeah. Now, now. What do you think? What do you think? What do you, do I who, think? Who, who, who do you want? No, I, I, I think there's an no, obvious no one. Offense, but. No offense to my guy, Steve Young, because I love Steve. And and you need to know, when Steve went from Tampa to San Francisco, okay, but, and, but, they, and they ran 40s, the Steve ran the second fastest 40 time in the San Francisco 49ers, but I'm taking well, wait, 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 before you Wait, before you dive into your oh. answer, because you're going to have to defend it, let me throw some stats at yeah, you. Yeah, throw them out here. 
So Steve averaged 3.7 yards per rush, Mm -hmm. ran for 16 touchdowns, 56 sacks. I want to defend his number, though, before you even go on to the next number. Okay. When Steve was playing, we threw the ball 50 times a game, and you get sacked when you throw the ball 50 times a game, and it it adds to negative yards. I guarantee if you just took the times that Steve just ran the ball, he averaged like six yards a carry. Taysom's teams did not throw the ball like like we used to throw the ball in the day, as we like to say. So Taysom averaged five point two yards per rush. Of course he did. Thirty two touchdowns, but eighty two sacks. Right. So who was more elusive? And you need seven yards. Was it Steve Young who was hard to sack? Taysom sacked eighty two times. Jaron Hall four point seven yards per rush. Yeah, and Jar- Jaron's he's got the. Of all of those guys, I think Jaron's got the best chance to turn the corner and run 85 yards for a touchdown. Yeah. And Riley Nelson, 3.7 yards per rush and six touchdowns. Pure, so Pure toughness. I'm still taking Taysom Hill on that play. Yeah, Nelson did give that high five. That was against TCU. When, the, the things that These quarterbacks, Riley Nelson's high five, emblazoned on my mind. Steve Young, when he's in the NFL, and he threw a pass, and it got batted down by a D lineman, and he caught it and ran it for a first down. That sticks out. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, I think it's Taysom for sure. Taysom Hill's hurdle. But over I the think Longhorn. Steve Young and Jaron Hall give you the option to convert on first for a first down on third and seven with a quarterback draw. And I, I think uh Steve's running ability and Taysom's running ability very interesting because Taysom's running was the offense. Mm-hmm. Part of it, and sometimes it was the offense, which is why he got hurt every year. But but Steve's was not. Steve's was, hey, uh, pass first, nobody's open, I'm gone. Right. And so I, I, I thought maybe you might struggle a little bit going back well, and forth those. I, I, Steve Young is one of the greatest athletes that's ever played at BYU, and he's the, the greatest quarterback when it was all said and done that's ever played at BYU because of what he did in the National Football. Right. He's a Hall of Famer, right? Yeah. And he took care of my kids when they were in Palo yeah. Alto. So he's, See, I even thought that might, special, special in my heart. might oh, be a personal don't thing. Don't worry, Steve's going to be the answer down here later. You've got to have another there. question with Steve in it, right? Here's the next question. Everyone ready out on the stream? It's first and 10 from the 50, and you're going deep. Who do you want throwing the pass? A, Mark Wilson. B, Gifford Nielsen. C, John Beck. Or D, Steve Sarkeesian. It's first and 10 from the 50, and you're going deep. Do you want Mark Wilson? Do you want Gifford Nielsen? John Beck or Steve Sarkeesian? Painted Cougar. Mangum is not one of the four options. I've already read them four times. This isn't of all the quarterbacks. This is a limited strike, or Jim McMahon would win every category just about. We've already talked about that. All right, a couple of Becks on there. we got... Yeah, Mangum's not. We got back, back. So you got to go old and, school for Wilson and Nielsen. Yeah, uh, Dr. Catch 1000 says, hmm. Then he dot, dot, dot. So he thought about he it. He thought about and it. And went back. And then, you know. And once again, Sean Covey is not one of the four and, options. Hey, M. Edward one, Sean Covey's not. And <laughs> <laughs> so stick with the stick with the format. All right. Not that Sean couldn't throw a good deep ball. He's just not on the list of the, for this. I'm curious because I don't know where you're going on this. Okay, but so, it, so first and 10 from the 50, you're going deep. So here, here's, here's a couple of comments first. Right. Of the four, to me, clearly the strongest arm. So who could just huck it down the field? What with accuracy? John Beck. John Beck had, when, when John Beck came back from his mission, Robbie Bosco was the quarterback's coach, and he came to do a little workout, and he was standing on the on the 50-yard line, 
having a contest um, to see if he could hit the the target in the middle of the net in the middle of the goalpost. Mm. And he was just like throwing it out there with ease. And Robbie's like, whoa, this dude has a hose of an arm. (laughs) Who was his deep threat? Uh, John had, uh, gosh. He had some speed. He had Harleen that would get deep for the tight end spot. I Who was on the outside was with, with John? We're, I, I, I can see him in my head. Uh, I'm, I'm looking it up. Can no, I, I don't can think. I, not, no, Collie, not Collie played with Max. So um, the Painted Cougars telling us that Collie, Collie, but it was Collie played with Max. Was it Todd Watkins? Yes, Todd Watkins. There you go. That was fully invested. Way to go, Thanks, fully invested. Fully. That was, and Watkins was awesome. So is that hey, your about, answer, John? The ben? fact that Reggie Bush, Todd Watkins, and Alex Smith played on the same high school team. Pretty good. Is that the dumbest high school team ever? They should just kill everybody, which I think they did. I think they probably did. So, so are you leaning Beck on that? Because I no, no, Beck has the biggest arm. Oh, biggest arm. Okay, biggest we'll continue. Um, I think that Mark Wilson had as good a touch on a deep ball as anybody I've ever seen, where he would just drop it in over the top. Plus, he was six. Six, six, six. Yeah. tremendous touch, and not only when he was there, but when he was with with the Raiders, just a great deep ball thrower. Mark, Mark had this this phenomenal touch, so I think I'm going to go. Any of these guys would be great, but I, I think I'm going to go with, yeah, with Mark Wilson. I'm going with Mark. I'm going with Mark Wilson. Too. I talked to him the other day when I was writing that story on Gary Shidey and. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it was fun to relive some moments with him. He came out, I think he threw seven touchdown passes in his first start when Gifford went down with an injury, and the next week he threw like five picks. Hey, Brenda, Brenda's texting me now, too, in the middle of the show. Does she not know we're on till no, like No, she eight? says, wasn't that Austin Collie? So yeah. she's like, she's chiming in Thanks, Brenda. via text. Uh, it's that it's, honey, you need to go down on the right hand side. To- <laughs> And click and on the click button. On the button, and, and join us and on Twitch. Join on Twitch, thanks, so the, Brenda. But but, and you were wrong, honey. It's not Austin Collie. It's it's Todd Walker. All right, everyone, cleanse the palate. Here comes. This is a tough question now. Those first two are just warm ups for this one. You ready? I'm ready. Ready. It's first and ten at the ten. You have ninety yards to score. You have one minute to do it. Who do you want leading that drive? A. Ty Detmer. B, Jim McMahon, C, Max Hall, or D, Robbie Bosco? See, th- this is not as easy as it is. Ryan it's- Hancock is not one of the candidates. Fully invested. Fully invested. Come on. Stop it. Okay. <laughs> Detmer, McMahon, Hall, Bosco. First and 10 at the 10. And M. Edward 1 is, saying, is just saying Rob. 90 saying yards Rob. to score. You got one minute. This hard, Robbie was my roommate. Right, so, we're friends with all of them. Yeah. So, and we love we love. Well, just think about it. So, so Max is the fourth and whatever it was. Was it fourth and nineteen? The great fourth and eighteen. Fourth and eighteen. When he hit, when he hit uh, Austin, and they and went you down, still and don't know how they scored. got open. So, so, so Max has done it. But Max has won more games than anyone in BYU history at quarterback. Right, and Jim Jim's done it. Ty's done it. Robbie's done it. What, what's the most famous? Come back for Robbie would obviously be Michigan, where he threw the touchdown yeah. to Kelly Smith. So all these guys, I'd be fine with any one of them. But I'm going. With, oh wait, wait, don't let me. Oh, let yeah. me throw some others. Wait, oh, guess, so oh, there's a McMahon. Well, and Space Jerry's saying Max Hall. Now let me throw some stats at you as as we're honing this down. Robbie Bosco threw for. What, what is it? Fully invested. Send me another emoji. I don't know what it means. Now he's gone with McMahon, just okay. like that. All right. Oh, no, he's just laughing at us because he's, he's putting other names up. <laughs> Robbie threw for 8,400 yards. 
Max Hall threw for 11,365. <laughs> Jim McMahon threw for 9,536. And Ty threw for 15,031. You only need to go 90 yards and you got one minute. And these are the arms. Who are you going with? First of all, is that crazy that Max threw for 11,000 yards? It is and totally threw crazy. For 15,000. So, um, and uh, Dr. Ketch says, Jim McMahon was a party animal, personal knowledge. <laughs> Go, hey, look, going with him we've all pressure. read the book. We know that. We've all read and, the book. And um, uh, Mark Actual says, Zach Wilson, not on the list, unfortunately. A lot of votes for, a lot of votes for Jim. Let's say, let's uh, divert for one second. Uh, so you were on the practice field with McMahon all the time. He was yeah. backup. And, uh, and, and when you do the drills, the receivers would line up and they just go one after the other. Mm-hmm. But our friend, uh, w- um, so there's a practice with you and, and, um, and not everyone's willing to catch your passes. They only want to catch McMahon's oh, passes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So And and so you had to, McMahon had to had, intervene. Jim had to intervene, help me out. And that's not the only reason I'm... And I'm thinking of Danny Plater. Yeah, so Danny Plater's Danny. the receiver. It was Danny. Yeah. and So, so Danny Plater was <laughs> one of Jim's top targets. He, along with Clay Brown. I'm a freshman. I'm brand new on campus. We're just doing routes against air, meaning the receivers are lining up on the outside. Yeah. And they're just running around. We're just throwing them. We're warming up and getting ready and working on our timing. And, and I'm a poor, punky freshman trying to gain some confidence to show these guys that I can play. And every time that I would rotate up to the front of the quarterback line, and, you know, so you got Robbie throwing, me throwing, Steve Young throwing, Eric Krzmarczyk throwing, Jim Kimball throwing, and Jimmy Mack, right? Yeah. And every time I would rotate up and Danny Plater would come up, like, at the same time, he would look over and just give me this look like, Ugh. And go, and he would put somebody else. He would like go grab a scrub from back in the line, and put him up in the front of the line. And I would throw to that guy. And this happened in the course of our ten minute warm up, like three times, where he just subbed somebody else out because he wouldn't allow me to throw to him. So the third time, Jim saw this, and he was back in line. And Jim, Jim ran the team. Yeah, like decided whether right. we we're going to practice, whatever he wanted to do. <laughs> so, so he comes up and he goes, "Hey, I'm, I got this." And he steps to the front of the line and he goes, "Danny, get in the front of the line." So. Danny's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jim's calling Jim me can up. throw to me. He has seventy NCAA records, so he puts he puts Danny up in the front, and then he goes, "Hey, Blaine, come over here." And he put me in the line, and, and Danny's like, and he goes, "Yeah, he's a throw to you." So Danny listens to Jim. So I throw I throw a good ball to Danny, and then the next time Jim rotates up, Danny puts himself in the front of the line, and Jim goes, yeah, "Stay right there." Hey, Blaine. Come up here. Three times in a row, Jim made Danny catch the ball from me. And and after after our little drill, we were running to do something else, and Danny came over. He goes, hey, nothing against you, kid. But I, you know, I just wanted to work with Jim. But, hey, you throw a good ball. And then and, you became friends. And Danny and I were dear, dear friends until he just passed away yeah. not that long ago. He'd come over every Sunday for dinner in his, in his last year. In fact, he was at our house for dinner the day he, pa- the day he had right. his stroke, but right. Um, right after he left. But I'll never forget the leadership of Jim McMahon. And when I would get in to do drills um, or do seven on seven where it's just DBs and linebackers against quarterbacks and receivers and running backs. Jim would always like put his arm around me. Like, so what did you see? Why did you do this? Why did you make that decision? What Jim felt like we should complete a hundred percent of our routes versus air. So we should never have a ball on the ground without defense. He always used to say one-on-ones an offensive drill. That means the DBs are covering and he felt like we should complete 85% of those. And seven on seven, when you have a full defense, he felt like we should complete 70% plus on that because there's nobody rushing. So his standards were really high. Yeah. And and he taught me a lot of football. I, I love Jimmy Mack for, 
for for taking care of me when I was just a freshman. And by the way, nobody more confident. Nobody made his team more confident. Um, nobody you want a quarterback with 90 yards to go than Jim McMahon in that situation. So, so I'm McMahon's going, I'm your going, answer. I'm going Jimmy Mack. We used to, we would be in games and, and teams would score like it'd be in the fourth quarter and we'd go, oh, what are the idiots? There's three and a half minutes left. Like we're obviously going to score because Jim's going to go down there. We're going to march down the field and score. Like they're stupid. That's a tough one. Back. That's a tough one because Detmer Hall and Bosco you've sent to the bench because you got yeah. McMahon in. That's isn't that crazy? Because yeah. I would take any one of those guys, any one of those guys. But I'm taking Jimmy Mack. Next question. All right, let's clear the palette again. Ready out there? It's third down and twenty. You need a first down. Who do you want making the throw or run? A, John Walsh. Remember him? Mm-hmm. Lit up Oklahoma in the, what was it, the Weed Eater Bowl or something like mm-hmm. that? Copper Bowl. Uh, Mark Wilson, Steve Young, or Steve Sarkeesian? It's third and 20. You need a first down. My, my rationale is going to be interesting on this one. Okay. Just, I want to know what I want everybody else is saying. So it's third and 20. Yeah. And you have to have a first down to sustain the drive. They're still thinking about. They're and, and still you got, thinking you got about. You got John Walsh, Mark Wilson, Steve, Steve Young, Young, Steve Sarkeesian. Steve Sarkeesian. And you know what? Sark was phenomenal. Oh, Sark, fourteen Sark, and one. Sark senior year, crazy accurate. Yeah, like just made plays left and right. I still remember when he threw the touchdown against Kansas State, and then he turned around and yeah, guns guns up so, so against got, the we Wildcats. Votes, we got some votes for for Sark. We got Johnny Linehan. No, Johnny's going to try to run it on fourth down <laughs> yeah, from his own. That's end a zone. punt. That's not a that's not an actual play. Another one so, from Sark. What do you think on that one? It's, it's going to be an interesting reason. So, well, John's got a big. John Walsh had a big, big arm. So, if you're going to run on third and twenty, you're typically the defense is going to play over the top of you. So, you're not going to throw a fade or, uh, or a deep route. And so, I felt like Mark Wilson's of uh, this is still the best deep ball thrower in that group. But, but you're not going to get a deep ball. It's going to have to be a, an eighteen to twenty yard out or an inside breaking route. And if you're going to throw it 20, you're probably going to clear out the middle and bring somebody across the middle of the field at 20 yards. So it's got to be a, th- a throw fairly flat in the middle of the field. It's got to be on top of the linebackers and underneath the safeties. Um, all these guys can make this throw, but do you want to know what? The biggest gap between the backers and the safeties is going to be there with Steve Young playing quarterback. And here's why. Because somebody's going to be spying Steve Young in the middle of the field to make sure he doesn't take off and run 27 yards for a first down. Yeah. And so he just, this the sheer fact that Steve Young is a crazy threat to turn a first down on third and 20 and it, with his legs, they're going to take one backer out of coverage and spy him. And so there's going to be more room to throw that 20-yard inside breaking route. I take any of these guys to make the throw, but there's going to be more room because Steve Young's in there. And Steve's one of the most accurate throwers in the history of the game. He's going to put it on the money in that open area, make the right read and complete that ball for exactly 21 yards in a first down. Wow. I only needed 20. That's a great <laughs> call by me. All right. I, I kind of thought you might lean towards Sarkeesian. I, I love Because he, he was so spot on. There's, think no, about bad, there's no bad choices. Think here. about it. Young was throwing to Gordon Hudson. Sark, Sark was throwing to Lewis and Mealy. Yeah, Sark on that one, though, if he's throwing that one, that's going to be uh, K.O. Kalalui or Kaipo Maguire on that. Yeah. Probably Kaipo's going to run off people in the middle, and K.O.'s going to come across. He's coming across. Okay. For, for, for Steve, he's going to have – he's going to have – I'm trying to think of who Steve's going to Got Eddie Stanette. No, no, he's going he's gonna to hit 
He might hit Mike Edo or Kirk Pendleton or one of those guys, a Z receiver, cutting cutting across the middle on that okay. one. All right. Next question in our Wise Guys quarterback quiz. And we're going to have these quizzes from time to time. It, it, it gives you an idea of how phenomenal some of these former BYU players were and are, uh, especially when you bunch them up together. Like for this next question, it's first and goal from the five. Who throws your next pass? Gifford Nielsen, Ty Detmer, Max Hall, or Robbie Bosco? And as you mold that over, both with our global live stream and you, Blaine, let me throw out some stats. Gifford Nielsen threw 51 touchdowns in 24 games. Detmer threw 128 in 49 games. (laughs) Yeah. Max Hall, 94 in 39 games. And six, remember, in the first half against UCLA. Yeah, that was was that was That was taking them out behind the shed and beating the crap out of them. (laughs) And and Robbie Bosco threw 66 touchdown passes in 31 games. Your question, and for everyone watching, first and goal from the five, who throws your next pass? Nielsen, Detmer, Hall, or Bosco? We've got Robbie. We've got Hall from... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you think? I like those. Well, I I feel, and here's the other thing: they're all they're all smart. But I'm gonna go with the wizard himself. I think Ty's the most likely to check out of a run play and call a throwing play on first down <laughs> and goal from the Ty's the most likely to come at the line of scrimmage and go. Oh, you know what? This is their alignment. Forget about the run we just had. Forget about the run that Norm just called. I'm throwing the ball right here, and I'm throwing it for a touchdown. Um, he had that kind of confidence in his mind. The way his mind worked about defenses and where to attack the defense was one of the best I've ever seen in the game. And so, so I th- and plus he's got 128 touchdown passes. The guy, my, my, my favorite one was the was the Miami game when he was back in the pocket and just had the field to step up. And both defensive ends crashed into each other, and then he threw that, threw it was that iconic. touchdown pass. Yeah. So I'm going to go with Ty Detmer. Because I think on first and goal, I, you know, Gifts led team, they might have run the ball on first first and goal from the five. You know, Max might have turned around and handed it to Harvey. Right, but I've called a R- pass. I've R- called a pass. Well, it's first and goal from the five. Who throws your next pass? Yeah. I, I think Ty's going to check into a pass on first down. He's going to throw a touchdown. So I think you're right. Ty. I think you're right, and I think Max is a close second. Yep. Max was phenomenal, and I just realized I probably should have included Max on it's first and ten from the 50 you're going deep. Because of what he did in the alumni flag football oh, game. Oh yeah, he that, that was the, the last play of the game when you're going deep. Awesome, that was epic. Sorry, Max, we'll we'll get you back on that. All right, here's another one that's uh, I think is interesting. We'll get everyone ready. Who is least likely to throw an interception during a crucial time in the game? Is it A. Zach Wilson, B. Jaron Hall, C. Gary Shitey? Going old school, mm-hmm. or D. John Beck, who is least likely to throw an interception during a crucial time in the game? I want to hear what their answers are on this. One Shady, a vote for Shady coming in hot. So you got you got you got Bosco Hall and Shady. No, it's the next next question is so the first answer is Shady, right? Am yeah. I reading that right? Yeah, I think so. Jack and Jackson, am I reading that right? So somebody's saying Shady. I, hey. You and I love, we love Gary Shidey, right? We're big fans. Yeah, but I'm not voting for him. And he threw 32 picks. I go, dude, Did which teams give, were you throwing give, to? You want to give these guys, and, and Space Jerry says Zach. Okay, here's some, here's some stats. Uh, Dr. Ketch says Gary. 
So Zach threw 15 picks in 30 games. Uh, D Holla three says shitey. Shitey. Zach Zach was phenomenal in um, 20. 2020 through three picks was just phenomenal. Jaron Hall has thrown five interceptions in 19 games. Shitey threw 32 in 22 games. Oh. Uh, and what was interesting is I think he took a lot of chances because no one knew how to defend the pass back right. then. We were just chucking it, man. So, and then uh, John Beck threw 34 interceptions in 43 games. Well, and think about it. John played 43 games because he got forced into action as a freshman. A lot yeah. of his turnovers came early. UNLV yeah. picked him off a few times. When John was a senior, he 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 managed the game and took care of the ball so unbelievably well. And let me tell you, the reason that Zach Wilson, night and day better at ball security, sophomore to junior year, is John Beck. Right? Right. So John gets credit for uh, how good these guys are. And Jaron Hall is working J- with John Jaron's Beck working this with summer. John. Yeah. But talking to A-Rod, Darren Roderick, the quarterback's coach, he says that Jaron Hall, as a, as a sophomore this last year, he's never seen a sophomore quarterback take care of the ball like Jaron Hall. Um, and and I feel like Jaron, working with, with John a bunch now, is, is going to make even bigger strides this year. He'll take a few more chances. But, but Jaron is extremely smart and extremely careful with a football as evidenced by five interceptions in 19 games. And that's as a freshman and sophomore. That's when you usually turn it over. Yeah. So since we're talking about next year, Jaron's going to be a junior. I'm taking Jaron. I, I don't think it's a wise I, choice. I think I'm taking Jaron. Think Hall. about it. He's thrown five picks. Uh, one of them, he threw to Arizona state and Algier got back. Then a couple were, were like hail Mary's, you know, at the end of the halves or whatever. And I'm trying to think if I can just, I cannot remember an immediate bad ball where he just forced it in and got picked up. He just, he didn't throw those kinds of balls. Like he'd have a tip ball that would get, he just didn't throw those kinds of balls. And that's, and that's why I feel like this next year, he's going to, he's going to become a very, very high draft pick this next year. And Hey, let's give Zach credit. Zach, his junior year was unbelievably good with the ball and put it in the right spots and not put, pushing it into trouble. And John Beck's senior year, like you just trusted him implicitly with the ball his senior year. So Zach had some growing up to do as a young player. He turned mm-hmm. the ball over. John turned the ball over as a young player. Gary played junior college as a young player and then came to BYU. Jaron Hall as a young player took care of the ball. He's going to be phenomenal this fall. All right, we got 20 more minutes of this week's show. We got a few more questions. And I, I like. There's still time to hit the little purple chat button, get signed up through Twitch, and so you can chime in with your votes and, and your opinions. Fully invested said Beck senior year. Yeah, it's hard Beck to argue. Pretty that. Good. Yeah, hard to argue that. All right, here's another one. In a game where BYU is the underdog, who do you want at quarterback? And you might think, oh, this is going to be easy, but wait till you hear the names Jim McMahon, Steve Young, Ty Detmer or Max Hall? In a game where BYU is the underdog, who do you want at quarterback? McMahon, we think of McMahon and what he did against SMU in the Holiday Bowl. Steve Young went to the Rose Bowl, beat UCLA. Phenomenal performance. Ty Detmer beat number one Miami. Max Hall beat number three Oklahoma on the road. It was over there in the Cowboy Stadium, but it was full of Oklahoma 80,000 Sooners. fans. <laughs> so here you got four. The Cougars are an underdog on Saturday. Who do you want at quarterback? And I, I, so we've got Ty. So D Hollis says Ty Detmer. A couple of votes in for Ty. Yep. Yep. I just want to see what they what they have to say. It's you, you need to. 
McMahon. Uh, Another so, vote for McMahon. Dr. Ketch, who, who obviously personally knows Jimmy Mack, was <laughs> yeah. in school with him, says, absolutely the most scrappy dude. Nothing held back, McMahon. He'll Hall, we're going to win. Yep, fully invested, Hall. Hall won a lot of games. Hey, I... You got you got to think Max Hall what Max just did on his Hail Mary <laughs> the alumni game was awesome. Hey, uh, Space, Space Jerry goes I want all four. All four. I want all four. <laughs> nice. I don't I think you got a great shot with them. And, and like mention cuz you did the research on this like some of the big you know, you mentioned this Jim McMahon beat SMU in the Holiday Bowl. They were a huge underdog. Eric Dickerson and Craig James. Even point, though BYU was ranked and SMU wasn't, right. those guys Nobody were. Nobody gave BYU a chance. The, no. the odds makers had BYU. And they were, hey, they were down by 20. Like, like two and a half. Two and a half minutes to go. They and, were getting blown out early, too. Brought back. Steve went down, beat UCLA in the Rose Bowl. And and, uh, and Ty's and, got his win. And, and Ty against number one Miami. That's the biggest upset in the history of BYU sports. And then Max Hall, that Oklahoma game. And... And uh, his magic at the end of the Utah game, and now we're. What do you back. think it was tough? Do you think it was tougher to beat Miami at home, with all the Cougar fans and that magical night you called that game? So you know, or over there in Soonerland at Cowboys Stadium, they're number three. They they're suiting up for the national title, and Bradford's their quarterback before he got hurt, and Max and those guys defense holds them to thirteen points. Max drives him down the field at the end of the game and finds uh, Jacobson in the back of the end zone after hitting Pitta on like four straight passes, including on fourth and four. Yeah, there, I, you can make an argument for every oh, yeah. one of those All right, guys. so who's it going to be? Just, the only thing I can do to differentiate him is is who engineered the greatest upset in BYU history. And, and not just during that. So Miami was number one, and they finished number three. Right. So it wasn't like, well... They beat Miami, but that Miami wasn't as good as everybody thought they were going to be. Hey, they were coming off a national championship. They finished number three, and then they won the championship the next year. They were unbelievably overmatched. That is the most talented team that any of these BYU quarterbacks faced as as quarterbacks in college. And somehow Detmer, with way less talent, figured out a way to win. For that reason only, I got to give it to Ty. That's a good answer. There's no wrong answers in that group. But uh, Ty Detmer is the is the answer. All right, if you're a defensive coordinator, which quarterback is the hardest to game plan for? Oh, this is a tough one. This isn't about the underdog, you know, like the last question. You're a defensive coordinator. Which quarterback is the hardest to game plan for? Steve Sarkeesian, Zach Wilson, Steve Young, or Taysom Hill? What do you guys think out there? And this is a hard one. And and here's the thing. Sark was so, like his senior year, so pinpoint and yeah. so good at distributing the ball. Great, unbelievable distributor. Defense, you make a mistake, he's throwing the ball right where your mistake is. Like he was so good at that and so accurate. Zach Wilson could hurt you in so many different ways. Oh, you get a pass rush on and he just flings it out there, sidearm underneath your armpit and completes the ball. Or he takes off and runs for a first down. Steve Young, he, he was such a threat to get big, big yardage. Um, with his feet, you you would completely defend him on third and 17, and he would take off and run 21 yards for a first down. And then Steve was also crazy accurate with the football, like like Steve Sarkeesian. And then Taysom Hill, it's like, oh, man, what do we do? If they run the read option and he just runs it, we can't stop him. He's going to mow over people and run around people. So many teams tried yeah. to keep him the in te- the pocket, make him pass. Te- Texas paid to the tune of 200-plus yards rushing um, in that game in Provo. I, man, I, I def- they're all a nightmare. 
Uh, if you have to pick one, gosh, I don't know. That's that's a hard one. A couple of votes for Young. Yeah, I, Young was not. Young was Young got great. I mean, he he evolved. Uh, oh, he was he was like in college too, though. Crazy to try to defend. Yeah, because he he would he would throw great balls, and then you would all of a sudden say, "Well, let's." Let's, play, co- let's stuff, play coverage, too. and then he would take off and run for a hundred yards, and then you'd say, "Well, let's drop off," and you know what I mean. He just he would kill you no matter what you did. I I might go with Steve on this one. Steve Young or yeah, Sarkeesian? I, I'm going to go with Steve Young on this one, just because I think people are pulling their hair out. They felt like they made a great decision and covered everything, and then he just took off and converted a first down. I mean, and hey, going where Zach did that too. And Taysom did that too. But I think Steve, to a bigger extent, and remember, Steve Young, if if he didn't sign with the USFL, he would have been the number one pick in the NFL draft. He was the number one pick in the USFL draft. Oh, there's no question. He would have been the overall number one pick. There's a reason he's in the Hall of Fame. (laughs) Zach, um, Zach was a nightmare. Yeah, Zach's great for the same reasons, right? All of these guys are great. It's like, well, he can run. I mean, think of that. uh, Think of Central Florida. Uh, they got to prepare for Zach. They have a they have an offense that's averaging thirty eight points a game. Mm-hmm. Their quarterback is actually leading the country in total offense in that Boca Raton Bowl. And here comes Zach, and he he runs for three touchdowns. He's handing off to Algier. They're running flea flickers. He catches a pass. He's throwing bombs uh, to Rex. And um, I mean, Central Florida had no clue, and they are an offensive. They're, they're a really good offensive team with their defense practices against them all year long. Yeah, it's it's like you would not lose. those. When you start to look at this, you just go, BYU's had some unbelievable quarterbacks. No. Because our fourth choice in this would be a really good choice. Right? <laughs> exactly. All right, this is an easier one as we get wrapping up here. Of the quarterbacks you played with, who is the least likely to pick up the check after an expensive dinner? Jim McMahon, Steve Young, or Robbie Bosco? Who is the least likely to pick up the check after an expensive dinner? Well. <laughs> I, I think I know right where you're going on this one. Here's the thing. They're all cheap. All three of these guys are cheap, right? So <laughs> Jim would probably be the, oh, I don't know. Hey, Steve, Steve, Steve. See, yeah, us, the folks out don't know. They don't know what to vote for because Steve, they, I, this they're, is, they're, this so, is one for you. Here's the thing though. Steve used to be cheap, but he's actually not anymore. So now we're, so Steve, but hey, I, and Steve, Steve took Brenda and I, Libby, our youngest, that's, that's a Broadway star in Moulin Rouge right now. She was singing in Carnegie Hall, and Steve called us up and said, "Hey, I got tickets. You sit with me," yeah. and, and took us. So, so Steve's not—he's Steve's, one of the most generous guys yeah. around. Steve's off the list. However, when, when, Steve when you was were teammates, when we were in teammates. Steve wouldn't pay for Jack. Was Steve the cheapest then of the three? He wouldn't even pay for stuff for himself. <laughs> he wouldn't even pay for stuff for himself. Right, we're making him so. The, so Steve's the most generous now. Who's now a bazillionaire? But yeah. we're gonna—he was the cheapest in but school. He was probably the cheapest in school. Okay. All right. Um, he just. He drove a junky old car. He wouldn't put his checks in the bank when he was playing in the USFL. He just, he, he was the frugalest guy you've ever seen in your life. He's unbelievably, so he went from the, the, the most frugal to the most generous during the course of his life. 
Because Steve would give you the shirt off his back if you needed it. So, and he probably would have been back then, but he wasn't picking up any lunches. Or <laughs> Robbie actually would pick up my sandwich at Sensuous Sandwich once in a while. Back really? Then. Yeah, he and I, we used to go to Sensuous Sandwich all the time. Robbie would buy, I would buy. Like, he's, Robbie, Robbie was pretty good about that. Okay. And, 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 and Jim, Jim's also very generous. Like, here's what's funny. They're all now all unbelievable. Well, because they're, they're, they're dads. They're, they, yeah. We see life completely yeah. different. So, but at the time... Okay. Yep. Steve wins the, the cheap award. Here's the last question of our quarterback quiz. If you're on the road with a flat tire, who is most likely to stop and help? Taysom Hill, John Beck, Gifford Nielsen, or Gary Shady? You're on the road, you got a flat tire. Who is most likely to stop and help? Taysom, John Beck, Gifford Nielsen, and Gary Shady. Wow, this is not this is not easy. So, um, our our own our guys are saying Shady. So here here's what's going to happen. <laughs> All four of these guys are in a car. They're going to stop. All four of them are going to stop. Giff is immediately going to take charge. He's going to be in a suit. He's but he's immediately going to take charge. He's going to say, "Okay, guys, this is what we're going to do," and he's going to tell us what we're going to do. Right? He's and he's going to coordinate it well. And Gary's going to say, "Listen, I'll do I'll do anything you need me to do." And and John will say, "Well, let me let me calculate this thing out because we don't want to do this wrong." Because because John will make sure that that thing's on there exactly right. And they're all going to turn and say, "Hey, Taysom, we don't have a jack. Would you lift the car up, please?" <laughs> and Taysom's going to walk over. He's just going to lift up the car. He's just going to walk over. He's just going to hold the car up. While, while Gary and John do the work, while Gift tells them exactly what to do. But every one of them is not going to walk by somebody in need. Every one of those four guys is going to stop if somebody's in need. And, and But that's their skill set. Taysom's going to hold the car up himself. So you're not, you're not going to... John, John's going to make sure that that thing, like every lug nut is on exactly the way it's... But like, you know how you're supposed to tighten them every other yeah. in that pattern so they all yeah. tighten equally? John's yeah. going to make sure that happens. Um and, and and Gary's just going to be like, you guys just tell me what to do, and I'm there. I'm going to do it. And Giff's going to coordinate the whole thing. He's going to captain the whole thing, <laughs> and, and he's going to make sure that it all gets done. And he'll tell he'll tell Taysom when he can put the car down. When he can put the car down. So that's what's going to happen. That's a that good one. group of guys right there. All right, that's our quarterback quiz. We'll be back uh, next week. Should we do a running backs quiz or a receivers quiz? We've got a couple. Maybe we'll do a running backs one next week or the week after. Yeah, we do. We do. We've had some characters that have played wide receiver here, so it'd be, it'd be yeah, fun. a receivers quiz, tight ends quiz. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so some, uh, some of the greatest tight ends in the history of college football played at BYU. We definitely do a tight ends quiz, and and we can revisit some of these uh, through the course of the summer as we get more people uh, streaming with us um, and and chiming in with some of their answers in our final few minutes. And next week we'll talk about the defense. Uh, a little bit, you know. Elisha Tuiaki's twenty-one and four last two hey, years. By the way, guess who's guess who is now on there? Brenda. Oh, she got on there. Mimi B. Fowler is Brenda. So Welcome to the show. We, she texted me an answer, and then and, and then, then seems like told, Diane could log and so on. So she says, she says, "Hey, get the app, everybody. <clears throat> it's super easy." So she's now on there. If if Mimi Fowler can do it, Mimi is Mimi is her the name that our grandkids call her. But they call her Mimi. If Mimi can do this, you guys, you guys all need to get on board. So. Get on board so you can chime in and and tell us where we're wrong and all that stuff. As we break down opponents and games that just happened and games that are coming up, this is going to be the this is going to be a natural hub for for give and take. And we love we love hearing from you guys. So we want everybody to be able to have a voice. 
All right, on the national sports scene, and we'll finish with a couple of things and then a great Lavelle quote. Um, Jazz looking for a new head coach after yeah. the resignation of Quinn Snyder. Danny Ainge is leading the charge. Who's he going to get? I, I don't because Danny is so plugged into people that we're not even thinking about, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you see some of these names. I, I guarantee you, Danny's going way deeper than that because Danny's been at this. You know, when you're a GM for the Celtics for 18 years, you get exposed to a lot of a lot of people that have talent, up and comers, but also established folks. And Danny's very influential. I I think it's it's going to be somebody we're not even talking about right now. It's who I think it's going to be. I saw him at the golf course the other day, and we were talking for a moment about See, the Celtics. When, uh, Dave goes to the golf course this every is day. The, not every day. This sure. is the team that he put together. You know, he was the president up until last June. Right. And uh, and so he's seeing, his, he's seeing the culmination of all those moves he made. He took some heat when he he traded down and drafted yeah. Tatum. And now this Brown. game these three guys, tomorrow night stars. against the Warriors. Yeah. And and uh, and I, I read some quotes from him talking about how he's he's all in with the Celtics. He's a, these are his guys. So he's got, a, he's got the Celtics over here in the finals. And he's over here in charge of helping the Jazz figure themselves out to get to the finals. And they got the right guy doing it. The question is, will they give him enough, will they give him the keys to do what needs to be done, even if it means sending superstars elsewhere and rebooting the whole thing? Or or one goes, one stays, Mitchell stays, Gobert goes. But it's Ainge, I think, that's, he's the genius of, of, of what's about I, to happen. Well, and, he, and here's the thing, Ryan... Danny was retired. I, I think Michelle's probably like, yes, finally. <laughs> they move out here to spend some time with family um, and to play a little tennis. Mimi and Michelle play together. Um, Mimi meaning Brenda. Right. And, and, and then Ryan takes Danny off on a golf trip and convinces him to, convinces him to come out of retirement. He did it for a reason. I think Ryan trusts Danny implicitly. He knows of experience, his experience in the league. Um, I, and I read an interesting article uh, with multiple quotes from Danny about Quinn Snyder this week. And I think all of us may be sitting back thinking, well, did they push Quinn out? Did they want to make a change? And Danny made it very clear, absolutely not. Yeah. That Danny said we wanted Quinn Snyder to still be here next year. Um, there, there are definitely going to be some changes on, on the roster. Danny's known for that, right? Um, he's going to go out and look, look for... It has to be. Yeah, look they got to let him do look it. Look for trades. You know, what, what are, what are they going to do in the draft? Yeah. And, and start to... And, and it's like, can it still be the Rudy and Donovan show? Um, because I think they're going to do what they want to do. They're going to have to deal one one of those two. In the end, I, I, I think it's they're going to go with Donovan. I, he, he's been, he's, he's a superstar and has a little bit of a superstar's mentality, which rubs some people wrong. But I think Danny's dealt with a lot of superstars over his career, and he feels like they can harness that talent and, and, and build around that. I think there's going to be... Major changes on the roster, um, with, at, at, and I think that Ryan is going to work closely with Danny, but he's going to defer to Danny's experience. He has to, and and I think the coach might not be somebody we're thinking about right now because Danny's got a deep, deep pool of. And the roster the might not be the same uh, moving yeah. forward for the Jazz. So uh, Snyder had his press conference on Monday, yesterday, and um, Ainge and and Smith went out golfing. I watched them go out golfing. <laughs> in the afternoon on on monday and i'm like what did they they couldn't get down here fast enough to uh we're doing this now we're gonna do this but what what are the reason i bring that up is wouldn't that be an interesting uh round of golf with those two guys as they plot the big next move 
Yeah. Because that's what they're talking about as they it's, go it's out to play. Fun. When we see Danny, and we, and when we visit with Ryan, I don't, it's funny, I don't talk with Ryan about basketball very much or with no. Danny about basketball because when we're together, we talk about family and other things. But, um, and uh, plus, they don't really want to talk. No, about they it. want to talk about work when they're yeah. not at work. And we 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 go out and we talk sports when we're out on the golf course together because we're just crazy nut jobs that. And love we talk sports. movies and right. we, how to better be but, how to be better husbands. But we talk about like honestly, like when we were talking with Ryan and his wife Ashley this week, um, we we're, were talking with them about dance because Ryan's wife Ashley has a phenomenal dance studio here. Um, here at Schmack's yeah. Dance Academy. And, and you know, our daughters are in the performing arts. And um, so sometimes we don't talk to the guys that, you know, we talk to them, but we don't talk to them about about work when they're not at work. Although I guess that's Ashley's work, but it was really fun for them, for us to talk to about dance with them and about that kind of stuff. So, um, but we'll, we'll, we'll try to get the insight for you and, and, and figure out what's going on. I trust Danny Ainge implicitly to make great decisions for the Jazz. I think he's got... So much experience. And, Who else hey, would you he, want he, doing he, it? He built an ailing uh, yeah. Celtics team, broke it up, put the pieces together, and won took, a championship. Took them to a world championship. Two years later, took them back to the championship game, and now they're back in the finals. And, and, and this team that he helped orchestrate, and he has his fingerprints all over, is back in the championship again this year. So you cannot discount that. He knows what he's doing, um, and uh, you know he got out. He walked away. He in his quote. On Quinn Snyder, he said, hey, I walked away yeah. from 18 years with the Celtics. I know what I, that's I, like. I needed a break, and he got a little break. And I think this a change sometimes is as good as a break. And Quinn just felt like he needed a break and needed to do something different. I would not be surprised to see Quinn coaching at some point. And I will not be surprised to see Quinn with the Spurs at some point, working with Pop. And then I would not be surprised to see him be the head coach of the Spurs at some point. Yeah. Quinn's a phenomenal human being. I think that's where he's coach. going. Yep. All right. June 7th, this day in history. Some final thoughts here on the wise guys. Uh, United Colonies changed their name to the United States today in 1775. Wow. How about that? Cool. Richard Henry Lee of Virginia proposed to the Continental Congress a resolution calling for a declaration of independence on this day in 1776. Seriously. So we're heading right into the greatest time of the year, uh, with the exception of Halloween, uh, with Fourth July, July 4th. Yeah. And, and if if you've been up here in Utah County, they do the 4th of July right. It's just awesome. Hey, who, Stadium Fire is Tim McGraw. Tim McGraw. Marie Osmond's oh, going to perform. Maybe. That That'll be fun. It'll be we're, fun. We, it's almost sold out. So do you have any hookups? <laughs> Talk to me after the show. <laughs> Uh, You've hosted that thing before. Yeah, I'm you back out there some, today. You I tell you, I wear, I come out there with a little tux type thing at 100 are host, degrees. Are you hosting this year? Yeah. Oh, you're hosting it? There. I'll be back out okay, there. Well, Dave, it's going to be fun. Hey, you heard it here. Does that been announced yet? What? That you're hosting Stadium of Fire? Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, I've done it for three, four years. Well, I didn't years. know you were still doing it. But yeah, I'll be in there. I'm the last one to know. I play I'll golf, and like I said, our wives go, what do you guys talk well, about? Well, we don't say, what hey. Do you, what do you guys talk about when you're golfing? Doing stadium we show. Go, we, we don't know. And they go, we, we, you were together for four hours, and you don't know what you talked about. And we said, we talked about golf or something? I don't know. I can't yeah. remember. What My wife says, what, what do you possibly talk about? Especially if you play, like, say, we played two days in a row. You know, all fresh, all fresh stuff. It's like this show. Hey, it's just just gonna hey, zip do- by. Doctor Catch wants to know if you can hook him up for tickets to Stadium Fire too. No, but you can buy some at uh, <laughs> America's Freedom Festival. Yeah, Dave's got um, the cups. Uh, the Cubs beat the New York Giants nineteen to nothing on this day, and they're getting pounded by the Orioles tonight. So. 
they got problems. Um, how about this? CBS, 1955, a popular show debuted called The $64,000 Question. Now, that's back when $64,000 was, was a lot. Don't they do like now the $10 million pyramid what's, or whatever? What's, what's the one? So you want to be a millionaire? We won't even watch. We won't even watch if it's not like megabucks. Back then, hey, I, I got plans tonight. The $64,000 question is coming on. How about this next one? Oh, yeah. Sony introduced the home video tape recorder in 1965. Was Has that nine, not changed all of our lives? Nine, 995. Oh, I'll just tape it. Was it was it VHS? Back I think then? it's when you you shot home movies and stuff. Nine hundred ninety five bucks is what that costs. Wow! Now they're 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 cheap. You can buy a tiny little DVD player, like GoPro, like, like for cheap. So this one heck, caught my you eye. Can live streaming on your phone onto your TV. Exactly. This one caught my eye because it shows you how times have changed. Uh, on this day in nineteen seventy eight, the Washington Bullets beat the Seattle Supersonics in Game 7 to win the finals. Seattle no longer has a team, and the Bullets are now the Wizards. That's how, that's yeah, how things that's have changed. Things have changed. And then this last one, I think, uh, I thought you would appreciate the most yeah, of all Pr- things. Prince changed his name to an unpronounceable symbol <laughs> in 1993. Who, On this who was, day. Whose house did Prince rent for a year? I just saw this story the other day, and he, he rented his house for $95,000 a month and he took off all of the stuff from his gate and everything and put all the Prince symbols on it repainted his whole house like black and blue and stuff and he said hey what are you doing he goes hey listen and Prince sent him a check for $500,000 and said just I'll take care of it and he won't even know I lived here when I was done he lived in it for a year and when he came back to the house it looked just like he'd never been there and he paid like who was that so yeah, guys it was, say it was, it was carlos Boozer's you're house. exactly right Boozer? you're exactly right who did was that you dj <laughs> so dj remember he rented carlos boozer's house when when booze moved up here and rented it and gave him a five hundred thousand dollar check just to for him not to worry about the fact that he repainted the whole house and changed the stuff but he had it all back to normal exactly as the way carlos had it when he when he moved. i don't understand why you'd uh change your name to a symbol it's like yeah. How do, you, how do you even introduce yourself when you walk into a room? I remember Boozer's interview, and he said, he said, uh, that's how much money Prince had. He gave me a half a million dollars to not worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, hey, uh, hey, Dave, where can I get a shirt like the one you're wearing? I don't know. You might scope the bookstore, uh, the BYU store, or. Um, Is that where you got it? You might have to have a hookup. <laughs> you, might, you might have to have a hookup on this one. Uh, I think I, some of the guys. Shirt, some of the guys. My wearing. shirt is sponsored by Travis Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you ready for our Lavelle quote to get us out of here yeah, tonight? Get us out of here. This is one that we've heard before, and when I saw it again, I just thought, you know what, Lavelle was the best. They quote. Here's the quote. They used to say when we went to the Holiday Bowl in San Diego that BYU fans would bring a fifty dollar bill and the Ten Commandments and never break either one of them. <laughs> And, and uh, we, we were all part of that uh, stereotype because our family went to all the Holiday Bowls during that time. You were, you were playing in the Holiday Bowls, uh, and that's kind of when this uh, quote came out. And um, things have changed. Uh, I'm, 
the, uh, things have changed. It's not that uh, I think the Ten Commandments are still good when when okay. BYU fans go on the road. Still not breaking those. But now they go on and and um, BYU fans will, as we've seen every t- where we've gone around the country, it doesn't matter the cost of the ticket. They're coming. And, and, and they come and in droves. They're eating now, and they're eating big, and they're eating a yeah. lot of ice cream. This fear of now the alcohol sale. I mean, Sam Boyd Stadium. The guys at Sam Boyd Stadium would always tell us when BYU was coming, they would run out of Diet Coke and Sprite, and on a couple of those bowl games, it was so cold they had hot chocolate, and the beer sales went. And so they're like going, well, we're not going to make any money on beer sales, but we're going to sell a lot of hot chocolate tonight. Yep. And that's true. And, and so, but but the notion now of of if BYU goes to the Sugar Bowl. Uh, are they going to sell their tickets and their allotment? Absolutely, oh. they are. And there's going to be a lot or of Fiesta Bowl and or a any lot of those eyeballs things. on television. BYU's a huge draw. The networks know it. The Big Twelve knew it when they were the first invite. And uh, hey, BYU built two bowls to what they are today. And when you talk to the bowl committees, T- Ted Tolner, who was our quarterbacks coach yep. my freshman year, Coach Jim McMahon, um, he was the commissioner of the San Diego Bowl Alliance that did the Holiday Bowl and the Point City Bowl. Bowl. Yeah, and. BYU, going to that bowl year after year, built that bowl into a big-time bowl, um, which it would it, it still is today. Yeah. Um, then they took the Las Vegas Bowl, which was not much of a bowl, and they built that bowl into a big-time bowl. And now that which, bowl's which, which in the Legion Stadium, and now it's the yep. SEC and yep. somebody and, and, else. And, and those the people that were involved from the beginning of those of those bowls recognized that BYU had a big hand in getting the crowds and getting national interest and playing great games that came down to the wire and high scoring that made those bowls. The Holiday Bowl was known as the craziest bowl on earth. You couldn't miss it. Right? it was good. You don't miss it because it's going to be high flying. And and you don't matter what the score is after the third quarter, it's going to end completely different. BYU gave them that reputation, the Holiday Bowl, is that bowl. And so they built those bowls. Now it's their time to go to the Big 12 and Help help build the playing the big the, ones. The, the big, Maybe they something. give the Sugar Bowl a boost. It's, it's their turn to, <laughs> to back to the original discussion. They're in the room where it happens now. Yeah, just like a in seat at the table. They got a seat at the table in the room where it happens, and now they're going to get a chance to play in some big time bowls. Hey, thanks for hanging out with us on our Tuesday night, and we're going to rest up. We encourage you to do the same, but we'll also keep uh, tabs on what's going on on campus. This can always be your hub. Again, we encourage you to watch Sports Nation every day, but but uh, Tuesday nights is your chance to chime in with your opinion on what's going on. That's and, our job. We'd love to have you live. If you have some friends and you tell them about the show and they go, oh, I wish I could have seen that, they could see it. Yeah. They can go out to ysguys.com and they can, they can watch it, right? Am I right? Jackson, Jack, yes. DJ, yeah? Yeah, they, you can watch not, the last three shows. Heads, you can watch the last three shows. You can catch up. You can watch it at two times speed if you want to. And we'll sound. Talk, if you I, speed it up, we'll sound like mice. I talk pretty fast, so I'll sound like a munchkin. Dave, Dave <laughs> or sound. you can slow it down and have a flashback to the seventies. Yep. It's your choice. So, thanks for watching, everybody. Thanks for hanging with us. Wiseguys.com. We're the wise guys, and we're gonna be here forever. And we're sure glad to have you. And tell your friends, as Blaine mentioned. Yep. And, and uh, let's play golf. Let's go play, play some, some golf. golf. I'm going All to right. Miami. I'll play with you next. Oh week. yeah. Good luck over there. Thanks, man. That'd be nice, guys. Thank you. Appreciate it. See you guys.